0: Episode 411. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and it's all Makes us happy like shooting at a warm rat But it's all been done before we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the poor kids
1: It's a trap!
0: Good Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Race it, left and break it. Tupperware parties of culture spit all over. Like a vulture carryover. Culture pushed over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's his head's already been said. I feel pretty only talent is the band that's singing. There's pop culture leftovers.
2: You're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. One of the lowest-ranking podcasts in the world. World. We heard your demand for timestamps, and we chose to ignore you, just like your high school years. You'll see Jake with a tramp stamp before we start using timestamps. Sexy tramp stamp, Jake. What we're trying to say is, we don't do timestamps, and we never fucking will. I just said the F word. So stop asking, you rat bastard cunts.
3: Cunts.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Timestamp Free Zone. This is Pop Culture Leftovers.
4: Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And And we're the leftovers. Leftovers. Welcome back, Jake. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah. Yeah. Had a little week, a week hiatus and then you weren't, weren't here last week and now we're back and we're doing this. We're doing it yet again, Jake. I know. I know.
1: I hate two weeks off because I come back and I'm just like, uh, I don't know how to talk anymore. So if I ever did.
4: Is that your excuse? Is that the one you're going with?
1: Oh yeah, sure.
4: Okay. All right won't anyway.
1: work next week, but it'll, it'll work this one.
4: Guess what, Jake? We've got... Guess what we've got this episode? We've got the 411 this episode, man. <laughs> we've got all the infos? we got the 411 this episode, Jake. All the 411. All the info. Do people even know what that means anymore? I don't know. I have no idea if people know what that means anymore. Back in the day, when you didn't know a phone number, and you'd call, you'd pick up this landline telephone and uh and then and then i don't jake jake do you remember do you remember rotary phones i do I yeah do. yeah i remember using the we had a rotary phone in uh google rotary phone if you don't know what i'm talking about we had one in the basement like do the 411 and ask them the number for whatever the fuck yeah it's old school
1: Oh, man. I remember calling for the fucking movie times and it, you always had to wait for like twelve minutes to get to the movie you wanted to hear
4: yeah um no this epi- it's episode four eleven jake this oh okay why did you, 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 you still didn't connect the dots there did you
1: not until you said
4: it not first. until I said it not until I said it Jake Jake thought, J- thought, from thought, episode thought, to episode episode to episode Jake has no idea what episode number we're on. Jake I could, I could ask Jake he'd be like uh two twenty eleven. Uh Jake just doesn't know where we're at. Yeah. What am I doing at your house,
1: Brian? <laughs> well, it's episode four hundred, Jake.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh we're not alone. We've got uh from StarkCast, welcome back, Mr. Joe Stark.
2: Hey, excited to be here.
4: Yeah, you excited to, for our, for the info drop, four one one drop. <laughs>
2: Out of the blonde in my beard was really showing through, and you said it's episode four eleven. I was like, ah, you, you Thank got you, Joe?
4: <laughs> no, uh, yeah, nobody fucking knows what episode we're on.
1: <laughs> I thought Joe was the four one one. I was like, I've never heard this nickname for Joe.
2: <laughs> like, is he insinuating I'm hundred eleven pounds?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I thought you knew everything. I thought you had all the info. <laughs>
2: Oh, you guys are... I can certainly pretend, I can't talk a lot
4: I'm telling ya When I bring up 420, Jake is still gonna be lost He's gonna be, you're gonna be so stoned Out of your <laughs> gourd, you have no idea what the fuck I'm, oh, are we on 411 again? <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's gonna hear C-tar in the background
4: <laughs> No shit, it Looks like it looks like a fucking later Beatles album Over at Jake's place <laughs> All right, my week, Jesus Christ this, uh, what a week I'm telling you not only did we get dumped on with all this fucking bullshit snow, um, and I was pretty much like stranded for a couple days. I mean, I guess I could have went out and drove I did I did go to the theater and I had the most of the theaters were closed. I had to go to a theater that was open, which is like forty minutes away. The roads weren't too bad. But I did get stuck on my street on the way back.
1: Oh, that's the worst. So close, but so far away. Yeah,
4: but a good Samaritan jumped out of their car and fucking helped shovel me out. So that was awesome. uh, Nice. Then the week started. My sister went out of town. And she's like, oh, would you like to watch the dogs for me while I'm out of town? It's something that I do. I watch my sister's dogs when she goes out of town. And uh, she's got an older dog, Nobi, and Nobi hasn't been feeling well. And, and I've been giving Nobi medicine ever since I, I, I've known the dog. Anyway, I'm supposed to show up there, and I get to the house that day to take care of Nobi, and Nobi is not moving.
3: Oh, no. Mm hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So I get there, Nobi had passed away. Oh my god! I picked. Uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, sweet dog. I, I, had to, I had to call my sister like immediately after and tell her that Nobi had passed, and, and um, yeah, it was very sad. Very sweet dog. Dog came from a really <sighs> um, previous owners. This little boy and his mother um, bought Nobi, and when he was a puppy, and this little boy loved this dog to death and then the mom started dating someone who was an alcoholic and didn't care for the dog and um oh i'm sorry i skipped over a whole thing the little boy had uh, a terminal i'm sorry a terminal illness and the little boy died and this little this little boy loved this dog noby so much and then the little boy dies and then the mom starts dating this guy who's an alcoholic and doesn't care about the dog. And then they, he throws him in the garage and it, like, even in the winter, like the, you know, Noby's not health wise was not doing good. My sister, uh, I forget how my sister knew this lady, but basically she's just like, let me take the dog. Yeah. And so my sister got Noby and he'd been living with my sister, I think since 2015. And we loved him, loved him, just a, the sweetest little dog. And he he, he would be outside. He's a Lhasa so He'd be outside, and he'd when he'd run, he'd like waddle and like sometimes swerve off to the side. He didn't have great balance as he got <laughs> older, and he was starting to go blind and couldn't hear that well. He's a sweet little dog, and when I'd stay over there, and he'd sleep in the bed with me, and just a sweet little guy. And it was just uh, when I got there, I I picked him up, and I felt like I think I I think I heard his last breath. Um, and then I had to, I had to, I had to take him to the vet and it was, uh, it sucks, man. God damn it. That, that, what a shit week it's been. So, um, if I've been a little silent for the past week, a lot of it has had to do with, I don't know, being cooped up in the house and then watching a sweet animal that I love pass away. So, yay. How was everybody else's week? (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's such terrible
1: news uh that's so great of your of your sister though i I hate when people do that i I see that all the time when it gets cold and people still have their dogs out yeah uh, it's just disgusting yeah
4: yep 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 i agree man yeah i
2: mean they're, they're truly a part of the family and for the people that have pets and don't treat them like they're a part of the family it just makes me look at them and say why do you even have that dog yeah, you know, if if you're just going to leave it outside all the time, you're never going to. I mean, that dog wants to be your best friend and your companion. Like that dog would look at you like you're the shit and like put you on a pedestal every day. With just treat it nice, you know, be good to it, and it's good on your sister that she took that dog in and, and gave it a good life. And the son would like, you know, it's it sounded like it started out and had a really great life at the beginning and went through a rough patch, and you, know, you guys were able to give it, or she was able to give it a really good home. It's golden years. And yeah, we had a, a Shih Tzu for many years, and, and they're real similar breed. And those dogs just love their owners. You know, they want to sit on your lap, and, you know, they they, 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 they care when you're gone. And, yeah, so it's, uh, my heart breaks for you and your sister, man.
4: Yeah, he's a sweet little guy, man. Um, yeah, it's just like uh, that dog, that uh, he meant so much to that little boy. And then... Just to see the mom get involved with this guy who's an alcoholic and then let that, like, let him treat the dog that way after that dog was like, that little, oh god, that little boy loved that dog so much. It's just, it was a heartbreaking story. And I'm just so glad that he was able to, you know, and he wouldn't have lived as long as he did if it wasn't for my sister. And, you know, I mean, she took him to the vet. He was on, like, a lot of different pills, but it's stuff that was helping him and he wanted to be alive. He loved, uh, um, my sister's also has like a, a little Yorkie named Pepper and he loved Pepper. Pepper was like half his size, but he loved that dog. So it's mm-hmm. probably a good thing that he did go first before Pepper because he would follow Pepper everywhere. He loved that dog. So, yeah, but yeah, I dedicate this episode to Nobi. You're a sweet little guy and, uh, you'll be missed, man. Um, got some... Winners for, uh, last week's contests, uh, the first contest is for, what is this for? Oh, yeah, uh, what were they? Oh, the Adams Family 2 digital and the Borrego digital codes. So, um, let's, uh, go over the winners for the Adams Family digital codes. Joe, if you could write down these names for me, bro. Yeah, you got it, dude. (laughs) Thank you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't
2: worry about it. Uh,
4: Let's see here. All right. First winner is going to be.
2: This is Borrego.
4: No, this is for Adam's family. family. Adam's Adam's family, family too. too Uh, Mark Fiala. Mark Fiala. His last name. Doesn't it sound like some kind of like an Italian bread, an Italian flat bread?
1: Yeah, it does sound like that.
4: Yeah. Would, be real flaky, real flaky loaf. I would get like some uh some goat cheese, goat cheese uh uh feta feta cheese crumbles. Feta cheese crumbles and the fiala flatbread, please. That's a All right. Well, I I apologize, Mark. I'm making <laughs> just making a mockery of your name, sir. Next one, Ryan Bradshaw. Ryan Bradshaw. Number three. Connor Petrie. Connor Petrie from the, uh, crprights.com. That Connor Petrie. Number four. Andrew Kane. Andrew Kane. With a K. That sounds, that's badass. That is a badass name. Yeah. Andrew Kane. Break some fucking kneecaps. I want to see, I want to see Andrew Kane fight Geraldo Vega. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't sound like an epic match. Be like Kano versus Vega. (laughs) Our final winner. Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill wins digital copy of Adams. Sch- I think it's a digital copy. If it's physical copy, I'll find out, guys. Either way, I'll get your addresses or whatever I need. All right, and the winners for Borrego. Here we go. We're going to get five winners for digital codes for Borrego. Geraldo Vega, speak of the devil. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Let's see here. Number two. Connor Petrie wins again. Chris Hohola wins copy, digital copy of Borrego. Nicholas Santones, and the final winner for Borrego. Did Andrew Kane already win this? Mm, I
1: don't think so. I think he won the last one.
4: Yeah. All right. Well, he wins this fucking thing too a couple double winners. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Those are the winners. Those are the winners. Got a new contest, though. Uh, yes, yeah, so congratulations to everybody that took part in that and won. Uh, got a new contest uh, for this week, and I'll go over the winners next week. Uh, last time we had Clifford Digital Codes. Now I've got Clifford Physical Copies, so Blu-rays. For the uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog is the perfect gift for Valentine's Day. When Clifford grows 10 feet tall overnight, he and his friends are chased across the city in his brand new movie adventure that critics are calling 100% fun for the entire family. Own Clifford the Big Red Dog on Blu-ray today and get supersized special features, including deleted scenes, movie-making magic, and much more. Available at participating retailers. It's rated PG from Paramount Pictures. And you can get a physical copy, a Blu-ray copy, of Clifford the Big Red Dog. All you have to do is I'm going to be sending out a Clifford the Big Red Dog tweet and Facebook post. You have to retweet it or share the post. Send me a screenshot of... The uh, Send me a screenshot as proof and send it to the correct email address. I still have people sending me entries to comments. Do not send it there. Any future entries to comments at popcultureleftovers.com will not be... I won't include them. So send them to the new email address, contest at popcultureleftovers.com. Can you hear the words coming out of my mouth contest at popcultureleftovers.com do not not no do not send them to comments at popcultureleftovers.com your entry will be voided i will say no clifford for you fuck off (laughs) it's I, i it's it's insane Every week, I still get entries to the old one. I made this new one because I was running out of room in the old email. So I made a whole brand new email so I could just have a contest be there. And it's so much easier for me to find. It's not cluttered with all the other emails. So send it to contest. Contest. I don't know how to fucking enunciate this enough. Con, <laughs> contest. I feel like I want to have Shatner get on here and say, con. <laughs> and then me finish it off with test at popcultureleftovers.com. And then title it. Don't title it um, contest or something else fucking stupid. Title it Clifford the Big Goddamn Red Fucking Dog. <laughs> <laughs> title it that. Don't title it any of this other bullshit. Please just title it, or just title it Clifford. Just don't. Not, just, everybody's gotta do it like their own little way and they're, it's fucking with me. So just, just do it this one way I ask you. Thank you.
1: Oh, don't thank him yet. They'll probably still fuck it up.
4: Well, they're gonna get voided. You're not gonna be answering yeah. them in the c- fucking contest. <laughs> You're not gonna, or 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 pro- probably future contests, for that matter. I hold a grudge like no other.
1: <laughs> Do not I like it. I like it blacklisted. Yeah, it to the wrong
4: one. Exactly. Like as soon as you walk into the grocery store, we've got your picture fucking Xerox on the fucking wall. Get the fuck out of here, you fuck. Your checks were bad, motherfucker. And who the fuck still writes checks to a goddamn grocery store? I say that every day. What is this, fucking (laughs) 1986? Get the fuck out of here. Oh, my God. I
1: get so impatient watching people write their fucking checks. I'm like, oh, my God. You could have most of this check filled out before you fucking stepped up here. No, the machine itself can fill out the fucking check. You can just sign your name and give it to me, and we can speed this whole thing up.
4: Yeah, yeah, but then you got to get granny with her squiggly fucking handwriting over there.
1: Oh boy! We don't even keep the checks anymore. They, we, we give the checks back, so no matter what, the machine fills out the checks. So I don't I'm ever, waiting for nothing.
4: I do not want to be one of those old people that when I write, it looks like a fucking seismograph. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. you know what I mean?
1: Oh like- yeah, that's sad.
2: Every birthday card from my grandma Liz. Every year, it got the text got smaller and shakier. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, boy, when I get that old, I'm going to get a fucking stamp.
2: Yeah, no
4: That's shit. An excellent idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh yeah, yeah. Let's see here. All right. Jay, I might Jake, I might be uh, moving on to a different endeavor. I might be leaving podcasts. I think I found my calling and oh, uh, yeah, what's that? I think I'm I have started a uh I've started a uh, a porn site and uh it's it's basically it's it's guys jerking off And, uh, when, 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 when they come, I play the two and a half men, uh, men sound clip.
1: (laughs) I don't even know what that sound clip is.
4: Hold on, let me play it. Here we play it. Here's the, here's the video. I'm playing the video on my end. Guy's jerking off, jerking off. He's getting ready to come, Jake. He's getting ready to come. And he's coming. all right so the guy so that's what you that's all the all the videos are just that it's just that and so uh what i've really been working on i'm really proud of this is uh the latest video i have it's a uh, uh it's a bukaki video here we go yeah yeah um she's okay don't worry about her (laughs) she 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 did not drown (laughs) anyway i don't know know. that's that's just my perverted mind so yeah there you go (laughs) No, Jake. I'm not doing anything with my life other than this fucking podcast. That's it. There's nothing else going on in my life. Like I'm not like Joe over there writing books and shit. I'm just I'm just pissing my life away, fucking dumb fucking two and a half men bukaki jokes over here. <laughs> I think the juice is worth the squeeze. I suppose. Well, oh, it was for those gentlemen.
2: It <laughs> was a great pun.
4: <laughs> it was definitely worth it for those guys. <laughs> all right let's see here oh got an email here i'd like to read from uh listener brandon and the subject is distant brothers from another mother and um let's see oh yeah speaking of uh speaking of uh people uh you know people that are related did you guys did you guys know that tom hanks is related to both mr rogers and abraham lincoln
1: I had no idea. Yeah,
4: yeah. Like after the Mister Rogers movie came out, that he you know he portrayed Mister Rogers, they found out that he was actually related to Mister Rogers, and then and then I forget how I saw it this week, but like I was reading online and it said like Tom Hanks is like distantly related to Abraham Lincoln. Like what the can you can you imagine the fucking the, the the DNA that courses through his fucking body? That yeah, is, that's that's wow. prime DNA. I've got, like, fucking, like, leftover bullshit. Mine is, just, <laughs> mine, is just, mine is just crap. And then you've got Tom Hanks with his primo DNA. Mr. Rogers, Abraham Lincoln. I'm related to a bunch of idiots.
1: <laughs> yeah, same, same. You can kind of see the resemblance now that you say it between Tom Hanks and Abraham Lincoln, right?
2: We gotta see him with a little Lincoln beard. Yeah, I was thinking get get, get him a really tall hat. Yeah, I was was thinking more Daniel Day Lewis. (laughs) Oh, that's he was. I know, I know, he was Jake. That's why I said it. (laughs) I mean, they both have that
1: kind of same longer face, you know, like kind of same shaped head and everything. Okay, all right, I don't see it. I don't think. (laughs) I mean, I'm putting up a five dollar bill next to my copy of Big, and it's identical.
4: There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Oh, yeah, Brandon's email. Just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate the... Oh, God, Brandon. Why do you lie to us this way? Just wanted (laughs) to... Just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate the content you deliver. It means a lot. Decades ago, my brothers and I... I uh, used to talk about all things pop culture, whether we were walking to school or watching videos at home. Admittedly, uh, it usually took the form of Mystery Science Theater 3000, where we would watch movies every Friday night, where we'd comment, mock, or, and or praise the films as we watched them. But as we grew up, we grew apart. I still love talking and watching movies and comic book content. They conform to so-, so societal expectations. Example, when you get a certain age, you put certain things away. For many years, I thought I was alone, and then I discovered you guys while working my ridiculously boring job as legal researcher. I've tuned in for many years now and maintain you guys are simply my distant brothers from another mother. Keep doing what you do. Regards, Brandon. Thank you, Brandon, for the email. Yeah,
1: thanks, Brandon. I mean, shoot, if you need a fluffer for your new porn site, it sounds like this is your guy. <laughs>
4: Uh what, what what you say you saying I can't keep my guys hard Jake? I mean that's a lot of guys. We heard the Bukaki
1: clip. Yeah. You can only do you're only one man.
4: Yeah, it's true. <laughs> that is true. I've got Viagra. I've got Viagra for all the guys. I've got Viagra for all the boys. Um let's see here. And Let's, uh, let's put this beginning part of the episode to bed. Let's just, let's just kill it, okay? Take
1: it behind the barn. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
4: god. <laughs> um, no, I did, we did get a, I did want to read, uh, I haven't read one of these in a while, but I did want to read uh, a new iTunes review.
3: Oh shit. <laughs>
0: it's one
4: Oh, my God. Uh, this one comes from uh, Date Integrity. Date Integrity. And it says, thanks, Brian and Jake. It's a five star. And it says, been listening for about four years now. My favorite podcast. You have no idea how much you two have been there for me. Five hours a week traveling, going to work. Even grocery shopping is better because of you. Just want to say thanks officially with my iPhone. And that comes from Date Integrity. I don't He's know better why. Better late I, than never. Don't know why I say his name like that, Jake. Date integrity. <laughs> you
1: know, like trying out for Yellowstone
4: or some shit here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, Sam. Sam Elliott is doing this Illinois Blue Cross Blue Shield commercial over here, <laughs> and so it's just like the people of Illinois, Blue Cross and Blue Shield. People of Illinois, blue collar blah blah blah, corn and country and fields and hard-working people, building know, Blue Cross. It's just like, oh my god! It doesn't matter what he says. He just, it just, he just makes everything sound so sexy. That Silver Fox. Oh yeah, I just, I just yeah. yeah. He's like, well, he's t- talking. You're talking about health insurance, and I want to fuck you, old man. <laughs> <laughs> hope you, have, I hope you have that anus insured, you son of a fuck. I'm gonna get over here, you Silver <laughs> Fox, fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) Oh, man. Sexy Sam Elliott. No, I've been been watching the the Bulls uh, on a streaming app, and uh, they always cut away, and they they show the same fucking commercials all the time. They're still showing Christmas commercials on it. Yeah, it's like for for a car. They keep talking about the holidays, and then there's this T-Mobile holiday ad that they keep playing. It's like, dude, we're like, it's like it's fucking February, guys. It's like <laughs> it's So outdated. Can I get some Black History Month shit? Let's get let's get current. Come on, what's going on? It's ridiculous. Oh man, yeah, man. They should. It's it's fucking Black History Month. They should have like JB Smoove do that fucking Blue Cross Blue Shield commercial, man.
1: That would be amazing.
4: <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Let's see here. What are we doing? Oh, yeah. Let's move on into uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop.
0: It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop,
4: Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system.
0: The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party.
4: You know what? I'm sorry. If you can hear my, uh, fucking heat kick on, I apologize. It's fuck, it's like one degree outside.
1: Yeah, it's very cold. I, I did the- not hear
4: it. Yeah. It's, I'm not, ter- well, they might hear it on this end, since I'm recording on this end. But, you know, it just, yeah, shit, it's fucking, it's fucking cold as shit, man. I, what'd you get? We got, like, a foot.
1: Yeah, I think, officially, we got ten, close to a
4: foot. Yeah, we had, like, ten and a half, and it was still snowing, so we got, like, a like a foot. Yeah, it was ridiculous out here.
2: Uh, we lucked out at El Paso south of us, but it got bitter cold here. Mmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll actually, some oh, God.
4: They've done they've actually the roads are okay now. They finally hit the side roads yesterday so I can actually kind of drive. Which is great. But anyway, oh, uh good pop, bad pop. I uh, I finished all 10 seasons of Friends. Nice. nice. That's yeah. an accomplishment. I did it. I did it. And I'll tell you one thing. Tell you one thing. Not too happy about Ross and Rachel.
2: About the way they leave that off in the finale? I'm eh, not too
4: happy that they're together. I don't think I don't I don't think I I don't think it's like this uh fucking uh storied romance that the show actually wants to put out there, honestly. It's just I think at the end of the day I would rather have Joey end up with uh with Rachel the way the show was. Yeah,
1: I could see that. I always preferred the Monica Chandler couple over the Ross and Rachel couple.
4: I, yeah. The only character that I truly love after I get out of this series is Joey. Everybody else can fuck right off in, 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 in different capacities. It's sometimes fucking Phoebe gets on my last nerve and then sometimes fuck it, Chandler is just a little too much for me. And then I feel like I'm definitely the Chandler of this podcast. Like I can understand why people would get their fill with me after a while. Like, oh, fuck, dude, I can't. There's only so much of this motherfucker I can handle. So I'm def- for the
1: jokes. Take it seriously. Uh, exactly.
4: Exactly. <laughs> and like most of them aren't even good. And I get it. <laughs> so it's like me and Chandler are on this <laughs> kind of the same there. Um, but uh, yeah, Monica drives me crazy. I love Joey, though. And then just Ross is just such a fucking entitled little baby. Oh, he just drives me crazy, but I finished all ten seasons. I still love the show. I thought it was fantastic, and it was nice to to finally complete that because I feel like I've watched a lot of episodes, but i don't I've never watched it from like beginning to end, and I'm sure there's episodes there's definitely episodes that I missed, especially in the later seasons. so it was nice to watch that. uh I did finish archive eighty one this week as well. I had two episodes left le- left did you did you finish it, Joe? Oh yeah, yeah. God damn, uh, cannot wait for a possible second season. Have they, have they given the official green light to a second season?
2: Not yet. From what I looked up when, as soon as I finished it, that's what I Googled. And from what I saw, the, uh, the, the, the showrunner was saying, you know, they intentionally left some threads in the end of it instead of, you know, wrapping it up with a nice little bow because they want to have a second season. Yeah, second season. I haven't seen anything confirmed yet. Yeah. I,
4: uh, absolute Tupperware of a fucking show, man. I, and I'm not saying it fills the gap of the OA for me, but it does, it does feel a little bit like the OA in certain aspects of the show.
2: Ah, oh, very cool. The OA is one of those ones that I, I kind of slept on originally, yeah. Yeah. um, but hearing that you compare it to that, they kind of makes me want to go back and check it out
4: a little bit there's there's i mean there's it does have major differences but there's there's one big kind of similarity and i don't want to bring it up now because it would spoil archive 81 and for anybody but man i fucking archive 81 absolute tupperware um highly recommend watching that show uh and then i finished uh too hot to handle season three uh jake did you start that I have not started it yet. Get on it. Jesus Christ, it's great. It's so good. Yeah, that's always a fun binge. I've watched the first two
1: seasons. One of these days, it'll just be me laying on the couch watching episode after episode of that.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Boba Fett, uh, the book of Boba Fett, uh, was it episode six dropped? And um, Correct. Yeah, let's jump into some spoilers if you haven't watched uh, the latest episode. Uh, Episode of the Book of Boba Fett. This is your spoiler warning.
0: This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your You have been warned, spoiler pussies.
4: Oh my god. Um, yeah, I, you know, episode five was incredible. We got that Mandalorian episode, and this basically picks up right where the last one left off. So if you thought we were going to just jump. Right back into Boba Fett's story, you were s- s- fucking wrong as shit because it just went, <laughs> it just went full throttle into more of the Mandalorian. It's tying everything all together, but my god, um, yeah, the, I would say that these last two episodes are the best episodes of the Book of Boba Fett that have come out, and they have prominently not featured Boba Fett. Um, absolute Tupperware, the sixth episode, and. I mean, it even started off for me with just kind of like a, like, like a holy shit with when we, when we see Cobb Vanth. <laughs>
2: think at, it true.
4: at the beginning of the episode. D- spoilers, do we, th- I don't think he's dead.
2: No, no way.
4: I don't think oh, he's yeah, dead. That's I, why the,
2: that's why the deputy got hit so many times. That was the one who got killed. Cobb oh, Vanth yeah, that's fall true. Through.
4: They all ran, they all ran to him and they even asked for a, a stem. And what a stim is, is it's like a health pack, uh, is what I've learned. Um, um, and I guess that's the name of a health pack from one of the Star Wars video games, and they just kind of incorporated it into this episode. But they were asking for a stim. I think he's fine. Um, I, did you see that Chuck Wendig was upset? He created the character. He wrote the character. Didn't he get fired? Chuck, yes. Yeah. I,
1: I did read the tweet about him being upset.
4: Well, I mean, is he upset because he thinks
1: the character's dead? He is mostly upset that he got no special thanks in the end credits. He oh. said he was looking looking forward to that since he created the character and thought it was a little bit slighty that they didn't even give him a nod.
4: Yeah, they should have just done that. Even though he, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know what his fucking, you know, whatever got him canceled or whatever the fuck what, what he was saying. I don't really care, but I mean gotta give people credit for shit so no i
1: completely agree and you know i didn't even know that this wasn't an original character from mandalorian until seeing this chuck windig stuff
4: oh really yeah yeah he was he was uh uh Cobb vanth was in the aftermath books and um, uh that's all new to me yeah they brought him in um yeah i think i don't think i don't know joe what did you think about this episode
2: dude i was like like tears brimming in my eyes almost throughout the whole episode. Like I was just amazed. I loved the opening with with Cobb Vanth, I, Timothy Oliphant. Basically, if he's playing some sort of sheriff, fucking give it to me. He, he just embodies that character so well. Uh, total badass opening. I couldn't believe that we got all the stuff with, with Luke and Grogu training on that planet. It was... And, and that was the part where, like, I was really hit, you know, with the wonderment. And it took me right back to film like a little kid again. And I think they really nailed the CGI on Luke's face. They definitely made a good move bringing in that person that, that did the better deep fake that went viral uh, from the season two finale. Um, even looking at it with a critical eye. I mean, I it, it was... It, it never really took me out of it at all. I mean, you can obviously tell that that it's a digital rendering, but, I mean, it's still so good. It's so light years ahead of what they did in Rogue One. Yeah. Um, way better than, you know, than the season finale. I, I didn't think we'd get Ahsoka in this episode, so I was really delighted to see her again, and that almost felt like a little bit of a setup. But back um, to
4: Luke real quick. Like, yeah. there's, like, moments where he's, you know, where he's meditating, and then, like, just, like, the wind is blowing on his hair, and it and he's just it just it looked it looked so good and like you said it's not a hundred percent perfect but if you compare it to like what we got um in that final episode of mandalorian season two it's like light years better
2: yeah i mean this episode just gave us so much stuff that like i was hoping and wanting to see in them to actually get it and then to get so much more like it, it just really really blew me away and yeah there were some member berry stuff in it with the training but but i still appreciate it and i liked it um there was almost a little bit of like a, a like a kung fu film type stuff with them, you know, training in the bamboo forest and with him running up the, you know, the bamboo stalk and everything, and the the decision that he puts to him at the end. Like I, well, just that's that that's that that was, straight
4: out of that's straight out of Lone Wolf and Cub.
2: Absolutely. I mean, and in, in that is, that's totally one of those things that you see in, in, yeah, in like Lone Wolf and Cub. Well, in Lone Wolf and Cub, the, the, the child is presented, I believe, with
4: a ball or like, I think it's like a ball or a sword. Like one is like, you'll continue to be a kid if you choose that. And then uh, the next is like, you're going into the life of the samurai, You know, so, I mean, it's basically, you know, we had a lot of comparisons of the first season of The Mandalorian with Lone Wolf and Cub. And then here they're doing it again, even with this training with Luke.
2: Yeah. Uh, What do you you guys think of of kind of the discourse that has followed this episode with Luke being so staunch holding on to these Jedi ideals, you know, with attachment and stuff like that? When you can effectively argue that all the good things that happened with Luke happened because he embraced his attachment.
1: I think he he knows that I, I feel like when he's giving grogu the decision in his own mind he, he knows what he chose and I, I think he expects grogu to choose the same thing
2: yeah so you think that I mean it, it feels like but are you are you, are you
4: sorry, saying me, Joe like why why is Luke still you know preaching this old religion as opposed to you know changing it up a bit the way of the Jedi
2: I mean, kind of in a way, I mean, it just seems odd that, that he would put him to this, like if there's any critique I would have on this episode, and this is minor, like I'm, I'm pulling at threads to even find this critique, but it is something that I saw echoed online. So I know other people felt it as well is that so much of Luke's stuff, like he, it feels like he trains in an empire with Yoda for such a brief time before his attachment pulls him away. Yeah. And granted, bad shit happens. He loses his hand, but you know, in in the end they prevail. And then with his attachment in return of the Jedi that he feels for his father, effectively that attachment then sees through Vader, you know, supposedly kills Palpatine. All that happened because Luke didn't let go of his attachment and didn't choose this Jedi way to forego these attachments and, and try and, and so it seems like he's embracing this, This, you know, ideology right now that wasn't necessarily the path that he walked. But, you know, if he's got these books now and these maybe these sacred texts and stuff that are telling him this is the way he's almost embracing something that wasn't truly the path he walked. And I thought that was kind of interesting, but it also goes right in line with the Luke that we're going to see in The Last Jedi, you know, down the road.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, that, that's kind of what I was saying. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that Luke is embracing that stuff. And that's what he's laying down. But I, I think we may see different feelings he has once Grogu makes his choice.
4: But can you be a Jedi Master and, and have those attachments though? You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that we're, that I'm interested to see. Like in order to be a true Jedi Master, Can he, can he, can he bend, can he bend the Jedi rules? I mean, it it always felt like it was like, it always felt to me like, you know, there was this time where we we were all talking about gray Jedis and shit like that. And they've come out and said, that's, there's no such thing as a gray Jedi. It's either light side or the dark side. There's no gray. There is no gray. And... I mean, they've they've made arguments that you know Luke, you know, saying that, that that's the way Lucas intended it. So I just don't know if I don't know. I it'll be interesting. I I, I do I do hope that we get a lot more Luke going forward. I, I would not be opposed to getting a Luke series, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> and I know people are going to be like, oh, imagine wow. how much imagine how much money that's going to cost. It's like
2: Disney can do it. Imagine how much it would make. Yes. Are you shitting me? If they're able to actually do like a Luke Skywalker series that basically picks up right here, could you imagine that? Him just jetting around the galaxy, looking for force sensitive people and getting into adventures and shit along the way? I do, I do think
4: we, I do think we need a lot. I, well, here's the thing. I do think we need a lot of that. We need to see what Luke has been doing during this time. That's that's what I love about this series. We're, We're getting to see like what Luke is doing you know post return of the jedi and now with cad bane showing up you know cad bane had in the in the clone wars was was um kidnapping um force sensitive children and stuff so now we've got he's i think i think he might set his sights on grogu agreed oh
2: wow i didn't even consider that that would be incredible and Sidebar: How excellent did Cad Bane look in live action?
4: I thought he looked awesome. So yeah. good. The yeah, he looked really teeth. good.
1: Do you see
3: why teeth look so good? About,
1: oh, sorry, oh, I've yeah. seen a lot of people complain about his color. I saw one guy even go as far to you know claim to have fixed it, but I really didn't notice any issue with it whatsoever. And after seeing the side by side of the original and the so-called fixed version, I. I don't have any complaints. I I don't think it was much better if at all.
4: Uh, I thought it looked great and it just like, you know, seeing a live action Cad Bane, which is something that we've talked about on the podcast before and even Greg brought it up last week on the show. And and here we are. We get we get that. And I even asked the question, are we going to ever see Ahsoka and Luke together and then boom, this episode answers that question immediately. <laughs> and, uh, that was, that was pretty awesome. Now seeing those two together and, you know, with the tease that, you know, he might see her again. I don't think I'm hoping that Luke doesn't go anywhere. Here's the thing. I mean, you gotta realize that most people did not think in that final episode of The Mandalorian that Luke was going to show up. We're all thinking like, oh, who's all going to show up? You know, who's who's going to be the Jedi that shows up? Blah blah blah. And some people were thinking Cal Kestis, and and you know, but then there's always this you know group of people that are saying like, okay, maybe Luke is going to show, and Luke shows up, and we just didn't think that we were going to get that as fans. It was huge, and like for and then for him to show up in this episode, what's to say that Dave Filoni doesn't have more plans for Luke? they can do whatever they want to they kind of prove that they it's can it's hard to imagine they don't have more plans it really
2: is agreed so i mean ugh. there's just so much material to mine there and, and in there's already a built-in audience that loves this character from so many ages i mean Adrian's from children on up to like Total adults, you know? I mean, so many people. Luke Skywalker is just this recognizable name all over the world. And you proved with this episode that you can make this technology work. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it looked
4: really good. Like, you know, going back and then looking at the. Even again, I went back and looked at, like, Luke from The Mandalorian and then side by side with, like, the deep fake version that looked better. um, Just knowing that they had uh the same guy that did the deep fake you know is now hired on at Lucasfilm and 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 did the effects for Luke here it looked way better um the voice and the m- mouth didn't always match up but my god it i thought it looked way better uh, this is about as close as we're going to get for now with the technology
2: i really liked the scene also where luke said that it feels less like he's training him and more like grogu is just remembering stuff
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It, it really feels like a setup for Grogu to choose, you know, that Beskar chainmail shirt, go back to Dinjaran and and still be able to, get, like, because so far we've seen him learn enough skills to where now he's not that helpless child that he was in the first two episodes. He's now we can, we see him, you know, evading these these blaster strikes from the the training. You know, module thing. He mm-hmm. can do his big force jumps and shit now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's he's a little bit – got a little bit more agency and he's a little bit more able to protect himself. And if he's also able to, like, have these memories kind of unlock, he'll still be able to develop as a character. Um, I'd still really like to see uh, a point where Luke gives uh, Din Djarin some lightsaber uh, yes. tips. Yes. I agree. It kind of teaches him to, to work with the dark blade and not against it.
4: I said that last week. I was like, you know, I hope that we get to see him working with Luke, some lightsaber training there. Um, because did you see the meme that came out where, you know, the, uh, it was the, the armor and she was talking about how he can't use the Beskar spear. And then the hammer and then immediately starts <laughs> to hit him with a Beskar hammer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a funny meme. Come on. Um, <laughs> Uh, i there 's a couple theories that I did want to talk about um, oh, the planet that they 're on did you guys see the name for the planet I no. did not it 's called Elfrana, so that 's where Luke had like those mechanical ants start building that um, the 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 new Jedi training um, temples is on that planet of Elfrana, which was we did get a shot of that in uh, I think it was um last jedi, yeah, was it the last jedi I mean it was a f- i i it might have been one of the well i we probably seen it then before because um the force awakens gave us some flashbacks too of like the school on fire as well, and so we probably saw it in multiple movies during those flashbacks where everything's on fire, and uh then even in a comic book, then it was featured in a comic book as well um and then so that planet is called Elfrana. There's another, th- here's the theory I want to talk about. Grogu gets his memory restored, uh, by Luke in this one. So a lot of what Grogu has learned now, it's, it's just stuff he's remembering that he's already, already been trained on. But we see the clone troopers killing the Jedi around him. And the rumor is like, well, you know, who saved Grogu? Yeah. And I remember in the past, we brought up a theory of, well, we never in, we never really liked the way that Mace Windu died. Could it have been Mace Windu that showed up here? I mean, and saved him. Mace Windu fell and we've seen force users, you know, fall from, you know, Things before and like make it out alive and could he have fallen and not died and, and then, and then found his way to, to Grogu and saved Grogu. And then, I, then I would love that. And then Mace Windu is the one that force wipes his memory. Maybe because the trauma was too great or maybe he, you know, I don't know. He, there was nobody else to train him. So he just wiped his, wiped his mind.
3: Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah, Or was what
1: it, good was are those the, memories going to be for him at that point?
2: Yeah, or, or was it just such a traumatic event that you know his mind just blocked that all off as like a defense mechanism? Yeah, that's like true.
1: Repressed memories, basically.
2: Yeah, yeah. It just,
4: for me, it was just like the force was able to pull him out. So maybe, the, but maybe the force shut him down too. I don't know. Just a thought. Um, but yeah, it could have been Mace Windu. Some people are saying maybe it was Cal Kestis again. Um, it's not, uh, not definitely not a Soka. It so would be no Ahsoka first met him. Um, we saw when she first met him. So we'll find out. I I'm just uh, so who, okay, at the end of the day, what's he going to choose? Is he going to choose the armor? Is he going to choose the lightsaber? The armor.
2: Yeah, the armor.
4: Yeah, I happen to lean towards the armor too because of the Mandalorian season three. But then there's also like. Could they swerve this somehow? Could, I mean, because we, we really don't know how Grogu feels about his training too, you know? So he's learned so much. We'll, we'll see, man. We'll see. I'm really, I really can't wait for this next episode. It's only one more episode. I just feel like he's
1: going to make that same choice that Luke made, you know? He's going to go with friends and family. Mm -hmm. It really felt that way
2: to me. And, and if that is the case, it's really smart that they worked him in in this episode of Book of Boba Fett. Because then they're not just immediately undoing, you know, that uh, emotional parting that they did at at the end of season two. To then only have them the first episode of season three, they're reunited. At least now we've seen kind of some behind the scenes stuff of that that time that passed while they were away from each other.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. this episode. was an uh, an absolute Tupperware Cad Bane. Was awesome, and, um, yeah, I do not think Cobb Vanth is dead.
2: Yeah, 100%. Um,
4: Peacemaker, the new episode of Peacemaker. Oh, can,
1: I, I, can I talk a bit more about the Boba Fett thing? Yeah. Um, I, I, I also Tupperware this episode and the last episode, but I kind of have mixed feelings on it. Um, real quickly, I do agree that the Luke is night and day better than what we saw at the end of season two. But I don't know. I I think it's a little bit disingenuous the way this series worked. Like, it's just kind of weird that it's it's called The Book of Bubba Fett, and then we just did two Mando episodes. I I find that a little bit shady. And, like, don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for them. I absolutely love them. They're 10 out of 10s. But it just feels like the wrong place to have done these. Like, I I don't know. Like, I feel bad for people that haven't been digging this show very much. And I, I think they have... Valid reasons for not digging it too much so far. And now it's like this essential viewing for the Mandalorian. It's like you can't go from Mandalorian season two to Mandalorian season three without watching these two episodes. I mean, such huge things happen, like his, the choices he makes with his fellow Mandalorians, the stuff with Grogu and just no Boba Fett whatsoever. It just feels like this series is completely needless. They could have done a Boba Fett episode within season three of Mandalorian and accomplished everything that this series has accomplished with the character so far. And I, I'm just not the biggest fan of the way we're getting this information. I I would have preferred this stuff to be in Mando season three. Um But like I said, I, I'm grateful. Thank God it was here. It, it saved the show. But God, in hindsight, it's like the only thing this show has going for it. it it's just kind of weird to me.
2: I see it's your definitely point. a weird
4: choice. It is a weird choice. I I see your point, but on the flip side it's just like, well, whatever can get me more Mandalorian before the actual season 3, whatever you can do to pack in more Mandalorian and then give me more Mandalorian in season 3, I'm fine with at the end of the day. Um no, I do no, I, trying, think I think it's I think it is kind of slight on fans though that were first off fans that were wanting to get just a Boba Fett series and then it turned into something else. And then it just, like, for me, I, I kind of compared it last week to what what DC does with a lot of their animated movies. They're like, okay, well, nobody knows about this team or this group, so let's throw Batman in there with them. And, like, uh, yeah. on the, because Batman's popular. Let's get some people, let's get some eyes on this. And, like, now we're at the point where, like, the popularity of The Mandalorian has eclipsed Boba Fett. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what can we do to make this Boba Fett series fucking take off and get eyes on it and to get fucking some, you know, let's get the let's get the media and get let's get some, you know, buzzworthy news about this series. Well, let's just throw the Mandalorian into it. I mean, they've already established a relationship with the Mandalorian and Boba Fett from, you know, season 2. Let's just do it here. I feel like Din Djarin is kind of like, you know, You know, just like with DC, just add Batman. Now it's like Star Wars, just add Mando. Yeah, it just
1: felt like such an episode of Mando though. Like at least in the DC movies Batman joins the team, like the other characters get to still be part of their movie even though Batman's there. It's like we just swept Boba Fett under the fucking rug and watched an episode of Mando in a show that's called The Book of Boba Fett. Like it that name just kills me. It's like here's this history of this character and there's literally zero history of that character for two episodes. Now. At the end of the day,
4: I don't it's re- insane. I don't care what's going on with Boba Fett. Yeah, that's my issue. I yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> so whatever they can do to fucking save this series and make me care about it again, and if that is going back to the fucking Mandalorian well and bringing Go- <laughs> Grogu and Luke into this fucking thing and Teeso Masoka, well, whatever, fine cuz like I was not I did not care about um I enjoyed the first two episodes, but episodes 3 and 4 and then like the whole explanation of like you know, I'm a crim- I'm a. I'm a crime lord, and I'm gonna. But he's not doing shit. My, but my criminal. My. I want to make it a safer workplace for for oh boy. for other yeah. bounty hunters. I was just like, this is the dumbest fucking thing. I don't care about this. I don't care about this story. I don't care about this arc of this character's story. So yeah,
1: <laughs> it felt like Bubba Fett got canceled. Effectively, <laughs> Like Mando season three started. <laughs> like when I do a Mando rewatch, I'm not watching those first four episodes of Boba Fett
2: ever the fuck again. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> see, I think the only one that I really hated was episode three, but I didn't completely hate it because there was some redeemable stuff in it. But I think the bad stuff in episode three was so cringeworthy that I, I really don't ever want to see that again. Uh, I I think they could have made this a lot clearer had instead of just having the calling it, you know, book of Boba Fett, they should have just called this Mandalorian season three and then just written scenes in for for Din Djarin in those first four episodes.
1: Or just cut the shit out of that Boba Fett story. Well,
2: yeah, cut a lot of it out and then stretch it out for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah. Visit him for two minutes a time. Per episode. I, I thought episode 4 was a big pile of fucking dung too. Uh, you know, actually it, it was so bad.
4: Well, didn't didn't Filoni do a lot of this with like the, you know, like with some of the Rebels episodes turning it into, you know, wrapping up stuff from the Clone Wars as well, you know?
1: Even that though, it was a little bit more seamless than this, where where the characters from the rebels still got to be in. Oh, the I, I understand that. Shine,
4: <laughs> I, I understand that. But I'm saying, in a in a way, they've always kind of just blended these stories. To I'm not sticking up for their decisions. No, I I, I know you're. Not. I'm just saying, okay. like, haven't they kind of done this stuff before? Not to this degree. Not to the degree where like we're totally leaving characters out of episodes, and it has nothing to do. Um, with, with Boba Fett until until we need him for you know this final showdown and shit, but I don't yeah. know.
1: I also think it's a little bit painfully obvious that um, the Cobb Vance people are going to show up a la Gandalf in the two towers at the last minute to save the day when it comes to that war. I, I'm ready to roll my eyes at how obvious that setup was.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, do you think Sand People get involved in that fight too? Though, I mean, all
4: of his sand people are dead.
2: Yeah, that's a fair point.
4: I mean, there's different groups of sand people, and, I mean, you know, he was with a completely different group. The other sand people that we've seen in the past, like, they all they all dress alike. None of them had, like, differentiality where you could tell them apart. The group he was with, like, they all had, like, different outfits and shit, and, you know what I mean? So... It it was just a completely different group of sand people, and they seemed to all be dead. Which kind of sucks, because, like, they kind of, like, I was... They kind of, like, made, like... I thought that they were going to have, like, this relationship with, like, him and the young sand people kid, you know? And, like... Yeah! And then that... that, Like, we didn't even... He didn't even, like, look at that kid's dead body. It's just, like, we just saw a bunch of dead sand people, and that's it. (laughs) So... Well, <laughs> yeah, you
2: know, all all of that was the most interesting meat of the first uh, few episodes. Yeah, and and for them to just cut that off the way they did, and ugh, and then replace them with the the Vespa gang. This is, ugh. Oh yeah, they suck. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah, the, it's just pretty
4: bad. The you know, Vespa it's... kids suck. Ugh. All right, Peacemaker's awesome though it sure is (laughs) are you still watching peacemaker jake i am behind on i figured you were how many episodes are you behind on peacemaker uh two what i watched
1: the first three the day they came out i watched the fourth one the next week and i i've been off the last two weeks
2: get on it man it's it's you want to taste it i'll be back what's that joe don't you want to taste it
1: (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, I do want to taste it. I, you know what? I, After watching three episodes back to back to back and then going a week and getting only one episode, I was kind of like, I'm going to sit on this. I, I really enjoyed getting to see multiple episodes at once.
4: Oh, man. They just, like, I don't know. like, the la- the, the episodes just leave me, like, wanting more and you know um i I didn't get around to watching the fifth episode until much later because of stuff with p c l and then the just a lot of stuff going on. but once I did um the day that fucking episode six came out, I was watching that, and uh the way that that episode the way that episode five ended and then the way that this next episode picked up and the way it ended, I just can't wait for the next episode. I am just how many episodes do we have left of Peacemaker? just two two yeah. Yeah. So yeah, get back on Peacemaker. get 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 back on it, Jake, so we can talk about it next week. Yeah,
1: my apologies. I didn't realize that was going to be like like a weekly thing. It just doesn't seem like it has the buzz of uh, Bubba Fett, especially with these last two weeks.
4: It's, it um, has more buzz in my. I think Peacemakers right now is like one of the biggest shows going on. It's it's agree. HBO Max's. Um, they've said that, like, it's, it's beat out all of their other shows. Like, this is their top show. And I think it's beat out of, I I know we can't compare it to, like, other streaming services and what they're doing, but it is one of the, the highest, uh, critically, uh, rated shows right now. Um, Buzz on Peacemaker's huge, Jake.
1: Okay. I just, it's not one of those things where I feel like I'm having to, like, dodge Tripwire to avoid spoilers about it.
4: You know? No, that, that's fair. But uh, my point is it's 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 must watch. To, it's really good. That's my point. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you don't you don't have to convince me to watch this show. I, I'm I will be back. I will watch the finale, you know, within a day of the finale airing. I, ju- I just felt like it was an OK show to pause a week or two.
2: OK, fair. <laughs> yeah! Wow, this has been my most anticipated show every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: I, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Like,
2: I when, mean, it sounds like you
1: paused for one episode for at least a few days.
4: I had my sister's dog died. I had, I had to do, a, I had to do an episode of PCL, and then after that, my sister, and then I had to do a Patreon episode with Tristan that day. And then when I got done with that, my sister reminded me that I was watching her dogs, and then I, and then everything else happened. So I kind of put life on hold for a while jake just for the one episode just for the one episode no but you had to throw that in my face sounds like you yeah just the one just the one and i had a lot of shit going on (laughs) i'll be back it's james i'm not letting i'm not not letting two three episodes pile up on me i'll tell you that much it's a great fucking show that's all i'm saying I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to shame you. I on purpose let
1: these episodes pile up.
4: That's fine. That's okay. All right. Uh, People are gonna let episodes of PCL pile up because this fucking episode's garbage. I can tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) Just fucking. We sound like the two fucking people in the balcony at a Muppet show just arguing about shit right now. It's ridiculous. I can't. What are these? What are those two old men called? I can't even remember. Um. Oh God, Walter and. Standorf? yeah, something like that. Waldorf, Waldorf. Okay, yeah, yeah, there you go. Waldorf and fuck nuts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus Christ>. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fuck. Uh, yeah, Showtime dropped a four-part docu series, um, and it came out there on Showtime's website. On, on, on Wikipedia, it shows that the episodes are coming out weekly. They all dropped. So I don't know what the hell they were – unless – yeah, unless – because I think they said that the last episode came out on February 20th, but I have – all the episodes watched, I, I have dropped, and I've, I've watched them all, but it was a docu-series called We Need to Talk About Cosby. So I thought, what would be more fitting than three white guys talking about this documentary? So – um <laughs> let's let's do it. We need to talk about Cosby examines the human impact of the Comics Rise and Fall, the new Showtime documentary series. We need to talk about Cosby uh examines the Comics Rise and Fall amid allegations of sexual assault. So, yeah, it's uh directed and produced by comedian Ka- uh Kamal Bal. Kamal Bal, which his name sounds like that serene Live sketch <laughs> I, <laughs> more camo bell i need more camo <laughs> bell um, but yeah this is it's a four part series and it chronicles like the career of of bill cosby it talks about you know his start but then like they'll also like <sighs> they'll talk about all this and then like by, by the end of certain episodes they'll have Interviews with women that were sexually assaulted by Bill Cosby. And then, like, the next episode, we'll get into something different. But then it's also, we've got more stories from more women coming out. And I, oh, man. I think I needed to see this because I've kind of always been like, oh, I can separate the art from the artist I've always been I've always kind of seen myself as like one of those guys that I can separate you know the art from the artist and I didn't say that about Bill Cosby but I haven't been able to go back and watch really much Cosby stuff this fucking cemented for me that I can't watch anything Bill Cosby ever again um, I watched all four episodes, Joe. I know you watched three. Jake, did yeah, you watch? Dude, did you watch any? I watched.
1: I watched the first two.
4: Okay, I watched all four. Okay, Joe, um, yeah. Tell me about your experience with. We need to talk about Cosby.
2: Yeah, I had a really similar experience to you. Um, uh, I, I for, for several years now, I've been meaning to go back and revisit Cosby himself because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. But you know, I just for whatever reason haven't. And yeah, after watching this, I no, I'm not going to. Uh, this is the first three episodes of this so far have been very, very powerful, very illuminating, and you know, it's this this show has got a very great, very smart title. You know, we need to talk about Cosby. It's like, yeah, we really do. Uh, because I mean, wow, just the The amount of fame that this guy had and the amount of time that he spent building up this image of, you know, America's dad and then this really good guy when behind the scenes, that is not who he was. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a manipulative narcissist that targeted young women. And it is horrible, especially when it's showing those timelines and it's showing how many different people – you know, said things from that times, and so many of the ages on him are twenty years and younger, and it, it's just horrifying yeah. that 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 for so long this guy was able to get away with it. And um, yeah, I can't wait to finish this because right as the third episode ends, that's really where they start talking about the allegations, mm-hmm. and and you know it, it becoming more. Of something that's that's had a light shined on it with, within the media and within you know the you know just w- with everybody knowing about it and oh my gosh dude this thing it just makes you feel so awful and it, it just may and especially knowing now that he's out of jail and and I know that that's something that's going to be covered in the th- in the fourth episode and I mean so far this has been an absolute Tupperware for me it's it's a hard watch and but it is very very well done yeah yeah yeah
4: i uh you know i grew up watching the cosby show i love the cosby show there are there are so many and they talk about one of the episodes or are like you know if you remember like one episode that that um and they they're they saying like um they were talking about black people uh uh, the, what the episode that meant a lot to them, and it was the when the family would like act like they were singing, and then Rudy would sing and they 'd all like do like their own different act and stuff like that i used to we used to love it when they'd do those episodes and they 'd always sing in front of their grandparents and it was me and my family would just crack up when Rudy started singing and um, man I, I I remember the um, the episode for Where, you know, Cosby was talking to Theo about that girl, Justine, 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 and I'm just laughing my ass off. I used to love the Cosby show. And I, you know, even went from there, you know, I started watching a different world because it was a spinoff, but then I fell in love with that show for different reasons. Um, I even saw Bill Cosby do stand up. You know, I paid money to go see Bill Cosby because I was a huge fan. I love Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby himself, I loved that stand up special. I just thought it was just, just incredible. And uh, this docuseries basically just kind of like breaks it down that all of it was sadly, sadly, an illusion. And he made people fall in love with him so that he could gain so much power so that he could do these horrible things on the side and then have so much power that nobody would believe the victims, And that's sadly what happens because – and he was able to talk so many women into having drinks with him and taking – just asking them to take pills because why would Bill Cosby do anything to hurt me? It's Bill Cosby. This is the Jell-O pudding pop guy. This is the Picture Pages guy. Another thing I used to watch was Fat Albert and Picture Pages when I was a kid. I used to love Picture Page. Yeah. Um, Why would this guy do this? He wouldn't hurt me. This is Bill Cosby. This is America's dad. We called him America's dad. And – he basically built himself up to where everybody just loved him and everyone was, all the victims were just, and a lot of the victims that they talked to were saying afterwards that he would make it feel like they got so drunk that they passed out and it was their fault and they were embarrassed. And they didn't know that he had done anything until other women came out with their stories. And then they're like, Oh my God, that same thing happened to me. And, it's the the part that hits you the most. For uh, is listening to the interviews with the women and their stories, yeah. their stories of sexual assault, and they'll tell you about the night that they met Bill Cosby. They'll tell you about you know him him getting them alone or getting them with another friend and then giving them the pills. And it's not one woman. It's not two women. Three. It's it's multiple women. There's a lot of people that. Decline to be interviewed, but there's a lot of women that did step up, and then there's a lot of cast members that were on the Cosby Show that came out and, and talked about him. Um, it's terrible. It's terrible because it's. I, I really feel like it's like, it's one of those things that I used to love so much, and I can't. I can never go back and watch it again because I think this documentary, the way. Kamal Bell kind of breaks down his entire career and, you know, these sexual assaults over the course of, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, you kind of, by the end of it, you're just, you're, your eyes are open to everything and I just, I, you just feel differently. I just feel differently. Like I, I never feel like I can, I can't separate the art from the artist now when it comes to Bill Cosby. I just can't. I just feel like I know too much about the the pain and suffering and that these women have went through and just the wool he pulled over everybody's eyes. And, like, he was doing some amazing stuff, though, for, like... On the side, he was, like... He was doing all this amazing stuff, like... Um, black stunt performers, the way that he opened the door for them, they used to just... Black, there there were no black stunt performers back in the day it was it was basically just they would take white people and then paint them with black paint and they said not not brown paint no just black paint and have them do stunts that's how disrespectful hollywood was at the time and 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 bill cosby came in there and changed all that i mean this could have been like a story like i wish it would have been a story of like oh my god look what this guy did his comedy changed america it changed hollywood you know, these are, these are baby steps. He's, he's, he's moving things in the right way. And then come to find out that this entire time that he's doing all these things, he's, you know, sexually assaulting these women, raping women. And I was just the, I don't know. It's a Tupperware of a documentary, but it's a big fucking eye opener. Well, Jake, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I'm right there in sync with you guys basically like, oh, man, like he was so influential to so many people, like even the the filmmaker who made this film himself wouldn't be who he was without the doors that Bill Cosby opened for him. So, man, I just feel so much sorrow for like, you know. Opening your eyes and finding out all this stuff and having to, you know, separate the art from the artist, whether or not you can or can't. Um, I'm someone who has a harder time separating the art from the artist. So I've always kind of known I could not go back and watch any of this Bill Cosby stuff. And I I found this to be a really hard watch. Personally, I, I was just appalled and disgusted throughout the two episodes i watched i think it's made very well it's produced very well the the confessionals are very good for me personally it's a low taste it Mm. It, it's a weird rating though you know what i'm saying like i think Mm -hmm. it's a tupperware of a show Mm -hmm. but, but i i'm tapped out like it's just too disgusting and disturbing for me like uh all the Spanish fly stuff in the first episode. Oh, oh, so creepy. God, I was just like, it made my skin crawl. It was just so fucking gross. Like just how on the surface he was with it. Not even trying to hide that kind of joke or humor. And like, it's one of those bits that he just kept doing over and over and over and over again. It was like, oh, so fucking gross. So I, I think this documentary is very well needed. I I think a lot of people should watch this if they if they don't really know what the whole scoop of the
4: situation was. I think you should like. I I think you should put an asterisk on your rating because I think you should put it. It's a low taste it for the. I guess the 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 real life content, you know, cause yeah, that's,
1: that's kind of exactly what I'm doing. I, I just, I can't Tupperware a thing that I'm tapped out on. Like I'm not going to watch episode three and four. I'm done.
4: See, I needed, like, the, I needed
1: this. I needed I'm to watch this. Not, and I get that. And I think for someone that, that doesn't separate the art from the artist, not that there's anything wrong with that. There's certain things I do that as well too, but I think this is a very needed show. Um, and it really points out those things, and I yeah, it's totally an asterisk like i I think this is an amazing piece of media. It's just personally i it's not for me
4: well I love the the fact that uh, you know that that I love that it was uh Kamau Bell that did this. you know, I've seen his stand up before I've, I've seen him in other projects and stuff, but you know, he's a black comedian that was really influenced by Cosby and for him to do this. Uh, and I'm sure there's probably a lot of people in the black community that didn't want him to do this. Um I'm sure he's still a hero to a lot of people, and a lot of people don't want to believe it. But, um you know, I didn't it want to. There's been a lot of fallout already just from this. I'm sure there has. But I needed it, man, because, like, I – it's not like – I, and I haven't gone back and watched the Cosby show or anything like that since this has happened, but I never, like – I never had, like, a hard stance, like – no, I'll just never ever watch anything again. I needed to see this and it gave me like, like, it's, it fucking sucks cause that was, that was one of the best family TV shows of all time. Like I'll put it up against anything and it eclipses, yeah. it eclipses yeah. a lot of stuff. Like I don't think full house can hold a candle to it if you come down to it. I mean, he was doing stuff that they'd never done before. You go back and you watch like the old, um, you know, uh, sitcoms with black families. You're watching like Sanford and son. And they live in a, you know, they, they, you know, works out of a junkyard. And then you're watching good times where they, they live in the ghetto and it's like they, you know, they're, they're scraping by. You know, you didn't always get the Jeffersons, you know, the, um, this was, this, you know, this was, uh, and even in the Jeffersons, he, you know, he had to fight to get to where he was. And in this, it was just like, You know, the, the wife was a lawyer and he was a doctor. And then when they talked about like why that Bill Cosby was the one that chose the profession that he was an OBGYN. Yeah. And that's disturbing. Right. And he had, and he had his practice in his basement and it's just like all these, and that's very narcissistic to have those, to, to, to basically kind of like leave this breadcrumb trail for everybody and think you're getting something over on everybody. You know what I mean? Like, like the, all the, all the Spanish fly jokes in the book and then the Spanish fly jokes that he was telling on Larry King and in his stand up. It's all the, all these little breadcrumbs, but like nobody's, nobody's gonna pick up on this shit because I'm Bill Cosby. Oh yeah, he I
2: thought he was invincible. He yeah. He took advantage yeah, of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, crazy. Just the absolute hubris that he displayed. I mean, so many of these women's stories feel so similar at the start. You know, they he lures them in. He coaxes them into taking a drink and taking these pills. And it's ah, it's just so horrible. Like, Jake, I totally understand your rating on this, because this is like there's certain things that that i Tupperware. And it's like it's in this category of Tupperware where it's a Tupperware because it was so well done but I don't ever want to go and revisit. I don't, I don't see myself ever rewatching this. I have to finish it, but, but it's definitely in that category that I don't think I'd ever rewatch it. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And I mean,
1: I agree with what Brian's saying. Like the Cosby show is almost like another parent. Like it was that influential just on like moral decisions and just, you know, the stuff that they would touch and everything. Yeah. Like way more so than full house, you know, I, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. I, I think this is much needed. I think it's very well done. It's, it's just, ugh, it's not for me. It's gross. I, I watch television and media to escape and, and for the most part feel better about things. And I just like, I had to take a shower after watching fucking two episodes of this. It, it was disgusting.
4: I personally needed the education when it came to this because, you know, it's not anything that I'm just gonna like walk down the street and, you know start if i start you know chatting somebody up hey did you watch you know we need to talk about cos it's not going to be anything that i'm just going to start <laughs> you know you know what i mean but like i feel like just for my own personal education my decisions and everybody when you watch stuff it's your decision if you're going to watch it or not watch it it's your decision if you're going to be able to separate the art from the artist and this informed me and i think i definitely needed this and this was kind of like this kind of like solidified for me that no i can't it's 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 fucking unfortunate that i can't go back and watch um old bill cosby stuff and jake going forward you know we have that bill cosby bumper that you know we used in the in the um the tuppies at the end of the year you know for like uh was it the best comic book or whatever best comic i'm i'm never using that again
1: yeah retire that motherfucker it's retired
4: so yeah i agree fucking unfortunate but um,
1: yeah i've seen a lot of defenders of bill cosby even after the show has come out like people are very upset about this and like i've seen comments like oh so this is how you open black history month by slandering bill cosby's name and it's like oh my gosh you're really missing the point and the mark with those kind of comments yeah yeah
2: well and i'd say those are the people that really need to watch this documentary if they can watch all four hours of this with a critical eye and still have that opinion afterwards then they're willfully blind yeah, I agree 100. percent Well, who
4: is the, who is the uh, actor? And I'm not not OJ Simpson, but who is the actor? Was it Robert Blake that murdered his wife and got off free? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was watching on antenna TV at night. I think it's like nine or ten. They play old Johnny Carson episodes, and every once in a while, I'll see who the guests are, and if I'm interested, I'll watch. You know, I man, I, I watched an episode, you know, a little while ago, and it was. Uh, Don Johnson like I'm talking Don Johnson like in the Miami Vice heyday I'm talking like the show had only been on for like maybe one season so like it was the hottest thing on TV and it's like I love watching those interviews and they had you know Michael J. Fox on when he was doing Family Ties and anyway they had Robert Blake on and they were interviewing him and he was talking about how he got so angry at a guy at the gym, he wanted to kill him or something. And I'm oh like, my God, I know. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's saying this. Like now that like we're so removed from like that trial and everything like that, you know, um, it's just to hear him say like for him to like acknowledge that he has like this anger problem on this on this interview with Johnny Carson. I was just like, holy shit insane that's the thing i think what gets lost in in all these celebrity trials and and things like that when these things happen is we forget about the victims you know it's like i think more people like you know um i do think what's his name ron goldman gets lost in the oj stuff you know a a young man lost you know a young man was murdered You know, and I don't think many people, you know, it was just like this big Hollywood circus when that was all going on. And it's like at the end of the day, two people died. No,
1: I agree. I I think everyone knows the mythos of O.J. Simpson and who he is and what he did. But too many people don't even know the names of the victims anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I completely agree with you. You it kinda gets lost in the in the in the ether a little bit there.
4: I really like going back now as an adult and watching like some of the old clips and stuff like that, to see Ron Goldman's dad get up there and speak and talk about how like nobody's talking about his son. And uh man, yeah. It's it's really sad. It's really sad. Um I went to can we, can we break? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> or at least talk about Moonfall, and I'll well, just you go.
4: Uh, we'll be back, guys. <laughs> we
0: are Venom. And if you don't join the pop culture leftovers Patreon, we will eat both of your arms and then both of your legs. And then we will eat your face right off your head. You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd in the wind head over to patreon.com and join now for only six dollars a month
4: all right hey we are back and uh jake how are you feeling
1: god bless you you uh, are my lord and savior yeah
4: okay okay <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck wait, wait, can we get jake a catheter or something i mean <laughs> jesus fucking christ
1: Yeah, I thought about just getting a 32-ounce Gatorade bottle and using the old mute button. It's
4: ridiculous. Yeah, (laughs) please. Jesus. Um, I went to the theater and uh, been looking forward to this one. They kept pushing it, kept pushing it, kept pushing it. Finally released, Jackass Forever. Celebrate the joy of a perfectly executed shot to the groin as Johnny Knoxville, Steve-O, and the rest of the gang return for another round of hilarious wildly absurd and often dangerous displays of stunts and comedy. It's directed by Jeff Tremaine, and it stars uh, Johnny Knoxville, Steve-O, Chris Pontius, Dave England, Wee Man, Danger Aaron, and Preston Lacey. And then, I, Jake, I on Wikipedia, and there were articles coming out Before saying that Bam was not going to be in the movie. And then there were other articles saying that Bam made a cameo appearance. And then Wikipedia says it also includes various celebrity guest appearances and a cameo appearance by former cast member Bam Margera, who was fired during the film's production. I didn't remember seeing Bam in this at all. Did I miss it? Um, I'm trying to remember. Didn't they show him at the very end or some shit like that? If it was an old clip... I think but, they showed like a still of them at the end credits. That was Ryan Dunn at the end. Oh, okay. Ryan Dunn who oh. died and they were like, uh, Ryan Dunn forever. So that was, I, that was Ryan Dunn, but nothing with Bam Margera. Yeah, yeah, zero Bam then. I didn't see anything with Bam. I could be wrong, but I didn't see anything with Bam. Bam had, <laughs> there were some problems going on with him and, they didn't, they didn't want, Paramount didn't want him involved in it. And then Jeff Tremaine, I mean, he broke his sobriety and Jeff Tremaine, they basically fired him. And then Margera got on Instagram and was like, they, there was a video of Margera on Instagram. He was seen crying, vomiting, and alluding to have looked up how to tie a noose. And nice. Yeah. Um, Margera alleged that Paramount had been forcing him to take antidepressants, submit to random urine tests, and check into two rehab facilities using his own money. He also expressed disdain for Tremaine, Johnny Knoxville, and Spike Jones before asking his fans to boycott the film. So, yeah, you know, here's the thing. I hope he gets sober and shit. Um, Because it did fucking suck that we didn't get Bam Margera in this. I always loved seeing him in the movies. And I loved, I used to watch Viva La Bam on MTV. So it sucks not seeing him. I hope he can get his life straightened out. Um, But we got new cast members in this one. Um, They added some new members to the Jackass crew which this movie really did feel like a passing of the torch to the younger guys. Uh, they got Jasper Dolphin, who was actually on a Viceland show called Jasper and Errol's First Time on Viceland. And um, that was also a Dick House production. So he just kind of like moved into this show. They also got uh, his dad, uh, Compton, Dark Shark Wilson, uh, Eric Minaka. um Rachel Wolfson, Zach Holmes, and then Sean Poopies, McEarney. So, yeah, (laughs) we got a new Poopies. poopies. Um, I'm a bigger Jackass fan than you, Jake, I would say. So I think I am. I.
1: um, Oh, I think you are, 100%.
4: And so I'm not expecting a high rating from you (laughs) going into this one. So what did you think about Jackass Forever?
1: Actually, I liked it quite a lot. It's a very high taste for me. I, I really liked the new people. I was surprised. I thought I would hate them and not give a shit, but I, by the end of it, I, I really, really liked them. I, I thought um, Jasper's dad was one of my favorite people in the entire movie. That Nighthawk, was that what his
4: name was? Dark Shark.
1: Dark shark. Okay. <laughs> Nighthawk. Nighthawk. Thinking of so- I'm thinking of something <laughs> else completely different from a different good pop, bad pop coming up. Nighthawk um, sounds
4: like it's like an 80s kind of like detective show. I'm, you know, I'm Nighthawk. Yeah. Cue the <laughs> <cue>
1: synth <Descent> music. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. I thought uh, one of my biggest complaints about this movie is just the, the trailer of it all. Honestly, it was delayed so much. We saw the trailer for so long. I. I feel like Jackass sells itself. Either you want to see it or you don't want to see it. And for them to show so many of the greater stunt moments and honestly, a few of the jump stunts were like, if you wouldn't have saw it in the trailer, you wouldn't have seen it coming. I thought it was a little bit of a disservice to this movie. I was surprised how many punchlines I saw in the trailer over the last 10 months. Um, so I thought that was a little bit unfortunate, but yeah, there was a lot of great stuff here. I mean, I thought the opening was just absolutely epic, and I, I was—I thought it was what it was, and then it was revealed to be exactly what it was, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" And <laughs> yeah. then to follow it up with the fucking turtle—I was just dying. I, they kind of had me right at the very beginning, but yeah, I, I thought this was a lot of fun, and I was very taken aback by how much I loved all the new people. Uh, I <laughs> I love <laughs> Poopies. Poopies is um, fucking... Au-
4: Zach Holmes was great, dude.
1: Z- Zach was fucking great. Yes. I think of, of the classics Um, in this movie, my favorite was uh, Aaron. Aaron. I, he was, he Dan- was so
4: good. Every moment yes. Aaron was in was an absolute Tupperware. I'm telling you, like Danger Aaron fucking took most of it for the older guys. I'm telling you. I think a lot of the older guys are like, I, we're, they went Murtaugh with it. They're like, we're too old for this shit. And I think, you know, Johnny's big thing was the bull. You know, I think Johnny's big thing and, and, and that, that was huge for him to fucking do that. He was 49 when they fucking filmed that Jake. 49. Yeah, it's, it's
1: insane. It's insane. He has no idea where the fuck he is when that
4: is over. It's insane. And, but I think Aaron took on a lot of it. Chris Pontius did like one stunt and the rest of it was just like stuff with his dick. You know, like the paddle, totally. the, the fucking, what was it? The paddle board.
1: That was insane. Yeah. The paddle board. Johnny Knoxville was so good at
4: that. He was really good at it. What's one what of those things called? It's the, is That's it what they're called? They're called a paddle board where you got the ball and you got, yeah. Yeah. They're basically. How do you, how do we even explain that one, Jake? Yeah. They, he like, it's like two plastic
1: sheets that they can tighten up and he flattens his dick in between them. And then they attach a string and a ball to it, and they're playing paddle ball with this flattened dick between these two, like, plastic <laughs> sneeze guards. It's fucking amazing. He seems like he, – he says out loud that it surprisingly doesn't really hurt at all.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so I was really impressed by the uh, male genitalia right there.
4: Yeah. It really held up. I love seeing Eric Andre in this. That was very cool. Um, yeah, I mean it made me mad that his moment where they where they got him yeah.
1: was, was spoiled in the trailer. I would have fell out of my chair for that if I didn't know it was coming.
4: Um a lot <laughs> I think this movie holds the record for the most pig cum you'll ever see in a movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my
1: god, that slow motion shot. I was dying.
4: <laughs> yes, and they sli Je- Jeff Tremaine's like, let's slow that down. <laughs> He's, that was incredible. I think Jeff was like my second favorite character. He killed me in this movie. Oh, Jeff was great. Jeff was great. Um yeah, when Danger Aaron, when they were using the uh cup test, and they had him go up against the fucking MMA fighter, and Steve O was looking up <laughs> this motherfucker, this fucking MMA fighter, he throws the hardest punch, the strongest punch in the MMA. And he's saying, like, getting punched by this guy is, like, getting hit by, like, what do you say? Like, like it was like a car. It was like a car hitting you. And, oh, my God. When they slowed that shit down, they showed, oh, my God. he punched. I think it was, like, very specifically, like, a Honda Civic. Or yeah. Shit like that. It was like a Honda Civic. It was insane, though. It was insane. Oh, my God. Um, the
1: part that killed me was when they told Aaron that it was going to be a featherweight that's going to hit yes. him. Yes. And you get his reaction seeing this guy for the first time, who's, like... Has recorded the hardest punch, I think, in UFC history. Yeah. I mean, he's just a brick house of a motherfucker. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) oh, when Aaron sees this guy, he just starts cracking up because he knows he got fucking
4: duped by these assholes. And then they had, uh, oh, um, they had somebody fucking pogo stick on his dick.
1: Oh, the slow motion of that. When it happened, I, I, at first I was like, I'm going to barely even hit him. And then you see the slow motion and his nut getting pinched between the <laughs> pogo stick and the fucking ground.
3: Oh.
1: And the mark that it made on his nutsack. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, That's what the big screen is made for, by, made for, by the way, is seeing fucking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> seeing the injuries to these guys' nutsacks that occurred throughout this movie. It's just, it's not even worth watching on your TVs at home.
4: My biggest complaint with this was the fact that, you know, it was, I had to see this at a fuck, I had to watch this at 11 o'clock in the morning at a theater, and there was only four people in there with me. I love going opening night, you know, like pre-COVID, man, going to an opening night jackass with, a, am talking a full crowd of people just filled up. I mean, anybody from the ages of, like, fucking teenagers all the way up to, like, people in their 40s and 50s and shit. Just filled, packed house. That's how I saw Jackass 2 and 3. And this was just, like, four other people, man. I wish I would have just had that audience experience because, like, that's the best part. But uh, I still give it a Tupperware for these guys to fucking come out here and, and give it one last go. was absolutely incredible, and I hope that they do hand it down to like these these you know these these new guys, and then bring in some more people, and I hope we get more jackass in the future. And then Johnny Knoxville is just kind of like just kind of like there, you know, you know. Yeah,
1: I, I like it. I like. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I was
4: really surprised
1: by how quickly I warmed up to all these new guys. They were they were absolutely great. Um, yeah. And but, on a quick aside, uh, last week I missed PCL cause I was at the, uh, Royal Rumble in St. Louis and, uh, Johnny Knoxville himself was actually one of the, uh, 30 entrants in the, uh, male Royal Rumble. And, uh, you could tell he was still hurting or nursing injuries cause they were, they were very ginger with him when they got him over the top rope. Like yeah. I, I was really expecting him to do some kind of stunt to really promote this movie, but you could tell it was just like, let's be very careful with Johnny Knoxville. We do not want to hurt this guy.
4: Yeah yeah he did an interview recently, and he was talking about like you know it's it's he's like this is the last, this is the last time I do it. He's like, if I can get out and I can still walk away from all this stuff, it's time to get out now, and so like we're you know basically passing the torch on to like the next generation here, and I like these guys a lot too. I thought Jasper was great, dark Shark's fucking great, and I love Zach Holmes and poopies, Zach Holmes, the bigger guy, oh yeah, my yeah. god, dude, he fucking he put himself out there. Like when they did that fucking lubed up slip and slide and he went flying off that motherfucker. I was just like, holy shit.
1: No one took a landing harder than he did. Yes. Like everyone was kind of prepping for the landing and he just like ate it. And oh my God. Yeah, that, that was nuts. He the, was great.
4: The one missed opportunity I felt like that that since every, every movie ended with Rip Taylor at the end, letting off the confetti, you know? oh yeah all right rip Rip taylor yes rip taylor passed away in 2019 but i think i would have loved if they would have just fucking passed the torch to another prop comic and had fucking carrot top there doing something
1: yeah i'm not gonna co-sign that i I never want to see carrot top again
4: i don't mind (laughs) i think carrot top gets a bad rap man i listened to him recently on a podcast and i kind of enjoyed that podcast he was funny he was good i liked him i liked him got to know a lot more about him man and like it was nice, it was nice hearing Carrot Top. I think par- Carrot Top gets a bad rap. I think we've been shitting on Carrot Top too long. I think justice for Carrot Top.
1: <laughs> the Carrot Top Renaissance.
4: Yes. Yes. Uh, let's see here. I did go and see, uh, I'm not gonna talk about, I'm gonna talk more about, you know, Jackass. I'm, I'm recording with It's cast tomorrow and two of the movies are, uh, uh, jackass forever. And then the next one I saw in the theater was Moonfall. So I'm not going to talk about this one too much. Um, the world stands on the brink of annihilation when a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit and sends it hurtling toward a collision course with earth. With only weeks before impact, NASA executive Jacinda Joe Fowler teams up with a man from her past and a conspiracy theorist for an impossible mission into space to save humanity. And uh, yeah, it's directed by Roland Emmerich. And I didn't pull up God damn it. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, Halle Berry's in it. Halle Berry, is it Patrick Wilson? Um I'm I didn't pull up the cast. I'm trying to do it on IMDb.
1: Samuel Tarley from Game of Thrones. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's actually he's actually a lot of fun in this movie. Charlie Plummer, who is um what's his name? The old man that died. Plummer. you know he replaced Christopher the Plummer. Christopher Plummer. Yeah, isn't, isn't this his grandson, Charlie Plummer? Mm. Pretty sure it I is. Don't know. Yeah, long, yeah, yeah. He's related to Christopher Plummer. Yeah, he was in that movie, All the Money in the World. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um, this movie's yep. yep. This movie's a taste-it. It's, it's, it's fun. It's fun enough. If you know what you're going into, you just gotta know what kind of movie you're going into. It's a Roland Emmerich science fiction end of the world movie. I mean, that's all you need to know. And I mean, if you're going to see it in a theater, it's, it's probably best seen in a theater. And, I mean, it doesn't reinvent the wheel here. There's a lot of, there's a lot, it feels like there's a lot of stuff taken from like Armageddon in certain points. Um, and, uh, I had fun with it. I'll give it a, I'll give it a solid taste. I don't think it's anything you have to rush out and see, but I mean, if you've already seen fucking Spider-Man No Way Home, you know, 13 times and you're, you're looking for a new movie, it's been a while since we've had some new movies come out. Um, you know, Jackass Forever, I would say definitely go see that. But, um, yeah, you know, if you're just looking for a mindless science fiction End of the world movie, you know, and we get a lot of them. But I think that it, it, it's a nice little escape. I had fun with it. It's nothing that I'd ever feel the need to watch again, but um, I appreciated yeah, it. I'm and, excited
1: to see this movie. I, I like Emmerich's brand of just shut your brain off science fiction catastrophe movie. Like yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. If you go in. Not expecting highbrow cinema and just shut your brain off and shove some popcorn yeah. in your mouth. That this can be some fun. I do you ever find out more about the mysterious force that pushed the moon in the first place? Is that ever a, a oh yeah pl- okay
4: oh yeah yeah you're gonna you're gonna learn all about mega structures and all this other shit. That you, <laughs> I'm not even kidding you, dude. You're gonna learn all about this shit, man. It's got a it's got you know it's got a wild twist and shit. I mean, it's not gonna like blow your mind. This is not. This is not Christopher Nolan, man. This is just fun popcorn fucking bullshit. And um, yeah, if you know what it's kind not of Not even Michael Bay. It's not even Michael Bay. It's like it's like wanna be Michael Bay. But it's it, it was fun enough and I enjoyed it enough and I'm I'm glad that I just had, you know, 2 hours to kill and watch this, turn my brain off and have a little bit of fun with it. But it's it's a taste it overall. Um, let's see here. Oh, Jake, you and I both went to the theater and watched an animated movie. It's still playing in certain theaters. Um, Belle, uh, it's a uh, high school student, becomes a globally beloved singer after entering a fantastic virtual world. She soon embarks on an emotional and epic quest to uncover the identity of a mysterious beast who's on the run. From ruthless vigilantes, and it's Japanese animated science fantasy film written and directed by Mamura Hasoda and produced by Studio Shizu, and it's uh, based on and inspired by the 1756 French fairy tale Beauty and the Beast. And uh, I saw this in the theater, and I was just like, "Ah, fuck it! I'm going to tell Jake that you got I, I Tupperware it first of all." And I was like, "Jake, you got to go see this in the movie theater." And uh, most of the time when I tell Jake to go see something, he's just like, ah, okay, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And uh, you you never do. You did, though. You did. And I got to commend you for watching this one in the theater. I'm so happy that you did. What did you think about Belle?
1: Yeah, I'm happy I did, too. This this was an absolute Tupperware for me as well. I, this was just incredible. Like, I, so deep and so much stuff going on here. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, yes, it's very loosely based off of, the beauty and the beast story but it's really so much more than that yeah um yeah i i was just shocked i loved the the social media world this this movie created and even though it has so much like outlandish and science fiction stuff going on at the heart of this movie is a very personal story Between, between characters and real emotions. And there's some really like shocking and gripping reveals that happen later on in this movie. And even some really just like charming people falling in love relationship stuff going on as well. I, this movie kind of does it all. I, the music is second to none. I mean, I, I found both the uh, original. Japanese soundtrack and the English soundtrack on Spotify, and I've I've been jamming both of them kind of back and forth. I, I'm in love with this movie. I I cannot wait to see it again. Uh, Our theater only had it for three days, and then it was gone. So it's quite Mm -hmm. the drive to see it again. But this is going to be an instant buy the second it's available on digital, and I cannot wait to see it one more time.
4: You know, I Uh, don't like. I typically don't like fucking movies. Then all of a sudden they start singing and shit. I didn't mind it here. I loved it because it it was in the virtual world, and and the music was actually really good. And um, I would say that all the voice performances were great except for, like, the father of that one, the father, the angry father that we meet later on was pretty bad. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it's almost distracting, like, what a stereotype voice it is. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. But uh, it, yeah, if you if it's still playing in the theater near you, and you like uh, you like anime, uh, and you want to see something from Studio Shizu, I think they did did a great job here. They've done some other great movies. I think, believe they did Mirai and Weathering with You, uh, both movies that I loved. Um, then watch Bell. Uh, it's fantastic lots of great uses of the aspect ratio
1: too. one scene that really stuck out with me was um just a relationship she's seen with the characters and both characters walking back and forth across the uh, end frames of the movie i thought was one of the more hilarious scenes in the movie that was just really cute and really fun
4: yeah yeah bell a fantastic movie tupperware love it um uh, Pam and Tommy dropped on Hulu. Uh, Pam and Tommy is, is an American biographical drama miniseries chronicling the marriage between actors Pamela Anderson and Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee, respectively played by Lily James and Sebastian Stan during their period, uh, during the period their unauthorized sex tape was made public. And this is based on the 2014 Rolling Stone article, Pam and Tommy, the Untold Story of the World's Most Infamous Sex Tape by Amanda Chicago Lewis. And uh, not only does it have Sebastian Stan and Lily James, but it has Nick Offerman, Seth Rogen, and Taylor Schilling in uh, in roles in this one. Uh, Joe, uh, did you? I watched the th- I watched all three episodes that dropped of Pam and Tommy on Hulu. Uh, Joe, uh, how many episodes did you watch, and and your thoughts?
2: I also watched all three. Um, you know, I had mixed feelings going into this. I had heard Jason Manzukas on a podcast uh maybe last week week before maybe and the person he was talking to said so in this new Pam and Tommy you're you're voicing Tommy Lee's penis and like immediately i just laughed out loud cuz i'm like oh they're making fun of it they're making a joke and then he starts talking about it. i'm like oh they're fucking serious i'm like wow that's that's a weird choice and so i mean that's really all i knew coming up into this um you know i'd seen those the the photos of um you know Sebastian Stan and and uh, what's the actress's name? Lily James. Lily James. So I'd seen those, and I was like, "Damn, they look pretty good." Um, I didn't know Seth Rogen was going to be in this, and so I just kind of—I I don't think I would have watched this had it not been on the list. And so I kind of went into it, you know, with a little bit of apprehension. And within the first fifteen minutes, like, I was absolutely sucked in. Uh, I watched all three episodes. Absolutely fucking loved it. Every single one of them so far has been a Tupperware for me. The the. The performance in this have been absolutely fantastic. The writing has been really, really engaging. Uh, the music choices in it have been really, really great. Uh, I just think that so far this series is firing on all, all cylinders. And I am I went from, I mean, actually being apprehensive to like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to watch this to, I mean, this is something to where every week I'm going to be looking forward to this next episode coming out. Uh, so, I mean, they, they they got something really good going here. And I'm looking forward to seeing where the rest of it's going to go uh did you read it yeah uh I'm tupperware in all three episodes so far okay awesome uh jake
1: yeah i've only seen one episode of this so far uh this is a show that i'm watching with michelle so i i have to have to hold out and wait for her to be ready too. um but yeah i'm right there with joe it's an absolute tupperware like i've had it's one of those things where like maybe i should just go ahead and watch it and like pretend i haven't watched it when i have to watch it again later like it, it's so freaking good and uh also, like Joe, I had no idea that anyone besides the the two people playing uh, Pam and Tommy were in this show. I I was completely taken aback by how big of a role seth rogan had watching this first episode and i i thought it was all the better for it like it really makes him seem like even more of a madman when you're kind of seeing it through the eyes of a another character like someone that you can actually relate to a little bit and like what his plight is so uh i think that's a good creative decision i'm curious to see if in future episodes he has as big of a role Or if we will see kind of more behind the eyes of uh, Tommy and Pam, whether it's going to be more of a third person account.
4: The second episode is a a, a more about I think it's a second episode is more about kind of like the relationship of Pam and Tommy and how that starts How they get how they, you know, get together and then get to get married and everything, you know, so kind of like this whirlwind whirlwind romance that happens very quickly. (laughs) I think
1: think it was smart to, to start the way they did. It makes him seem even more like dangerous and insane to not immediately do it from their point of view, to have like another character on looking from the side. So, yeah, I thought it was very, very good.
4: Yeah, uh, I Tupperware, I think it's fantastic. I it's a comedy. People need to understand that. If you're going to get Seth Rogen involved and and these people involved, it's a comedy and I think some people are taking it a little bit too seriously right now as they're watching like these first three episodes. I don't know if you guys saw some of like the articles that have come out about this, but there was an article Epic Stream had an article saying Sebastian Stan's new show Pam and Tommy glorifies abuse and fans are disgusted. And I'm like, Jeez. okay, first off, the title says, glorifies the abuse and fans are disgusted. Um, it's, they've only shown three episodes. We, you don't know. First off, I'll say this. We don't know where the show's going to go. And by the end of it, if it's going to glorify anything that happened in their relationship, especially, you know, the, 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 this, this abusive relationship. Um, secondly, even if it doesn't, it's a comedy. I think people get lost. This is not a drama. I don't see where the glorifying is.
1: These people come off completely unlikable. Is it just because they're <laughs> yeah. attractive?
4: I don't. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, too. I don't understand. See, my problem is, like, for, first off, we're only three episodes in. And if fans are already tearing it down because they think it's glorifying and that's like watching the first hour of blow and then turning it off. And just thinking, oh, this movie glorifies fucking like, you know, being a drug lord and 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 or, or like watching like the first hour of of Goodfellas and being like, oh, this this movie glorifies being in the mafia. Yeah, it's like just one season of Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like you're not, you're not you haven't gotten the full story yet, people. So chill the fuck out. That's how I feel.
1: I don't think only one episode in and I'm like a little bit astounded by people having that view.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They're crazy.
4: So I think, Oh my God. Just, just the, okay. I mean, basically the premise here is that Seth Rogen's character was uh, a carpenter and he was doing work on Tommy Lee's house and kept getting stiffed when it comes to money. He's paying money out of his own pocket, putting all the supplies and all this work into his house and not getting any payment in return. And he's put thousands of dollars on credit cards that have like an 18% interest rate and he's just going into debt and then Tommy Lee fires him. And so he puts together this plan that he's going to break into Tommy Lee's house and steal some stuff and get hit and make his money back. He feels like it's, you know, it's retribution to get back. It's like he, he's, he's owed this. And so he breaks in and steals a safe. And this is all true. He breaks in, steals a safe. And I found out that he actually dressed up like the dog to get past security cameras. Like, <laughs> that's true. That brilliant. They're not a hundred percent sure how he actually got the safe out, but they do know that he did dress up as the dog to, to make his way. They have this big white fluffy dog and he throws like this, uh, uh, coat on, this big white coat, like fur coat that looks like it could be this dog. And that's how he, you know, tricks the, the people watching the security cameras. Um, and then he ends up finding the sex tape and then trying to sell it to porn distributors. They won't do it because, you know, Pam and Tommy haven't signed off on it. And they he's like, we can just put this on the World Wide Web. And the Internet had only been out for like a year and, you know, people are like, are you sure that you could do this? He's like, I've been on the what? I've been on the world wide web for over a year. Like it's a big brag at that point, which honestly kind of is when you're looking at 1994. Hmm. Um, but, um, and, uh, so it's, I think it's a fascinating story. Uh, I, I, I'm hooked. I can't, I can't wait to watch the next episode. And, uh, it's kind of crazy seeing like this side of, of, uh, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson. And, um, I'm really digging it. It's a Tupperware. I, um, this is funny. I, back in 2004, I was, I was seeing a girl who was, she would, she was friends with Tommy Lee and a bunch of a bunch of fucking like of these. She was uh, she loved hair bands. She was a fr- she was friends with a bunch of them on MySpace. Oh wow! And I was over at her place, and she logged into her MySpace, and she started showing me all these messages back and forth between all these different fucking people and bands. I read like a whole conversation between her and uh, um Janie Lane from Warrant. Her and Janie Lane were like, he's passed away. He passed away a few years ago, maybe a decade ago. I can't remember, but like all this, but then she's like, Oh my God, Tommy Lee's online. And she starts fucking talking to Tommy Lee while I'm sitting right next to her. And they're just talking back and forth on fucking MySpace. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> he, he seemed like the nicest guy
2: too yeah that's how
1: he wins you over oh, uh, I,
2: I know i've heard him on podcasts like lots of different like interview shows and stuff and he seems so cool and so in the first episode when he turns into that giant dick yeah i was like ah, oh. no pun intended there but yeah like, oh, you know
4: <laughs>
2: oh god when they show the talking
4: pete penis <laughs> and what
2: this- a hog man <laughs> well you've seen the tape right I actually have not I'm probably one of the few people on the planet that's never seen it.
4: Jake, tell me you've seen the tape. I'm going to pretend I have
0: it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, I'll admit, I didn't fucking, like, I didn't, like, buy it, but I think it was maybe... Uh, Four or five years. It by someone. Four or five years late. Oh, I looked it up on my own. I'm not going to lie. Four or five years. It was, l-
1: it was like a braggart thing. You know, it was like, look at what I have access to. Check this out from and someone
4: I know. I know? didn't watch the whole thing. I think I watched like the part where they're like on the boat and she's like sucking them off on the boat and shit. <laughs> 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 Give me a break. I was a young guy. Jesus Christ. I've got hormones. It's Pam Anderson. It's too. Pam Anderson. Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Fucking Tupperware, Pam and Tommy can't wait. They they both look amazing. the The makeup and 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 this the transformations are, are amazing uh, for both of them. Sebastian Stan and Lily James. It's really really cool. Oh man, it really cracked me up that uh,
1: Seth Rogen's character pees his pants, and then we have a flashback of another time where he peed his pants as a child. It's <laughs> yeah. like
4: this is meandering, but I love it. It's a comedy. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, like the guy in real life. Did not piss his pants, <laughs> so it's just like uh, Murderville. Murderville on Netflix. This this is an interesting show. It's 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 a story. It follow, the story follows the hilarious trials of Will Arnett's washed up detective. He plays senior detective Terry Seattle and his changing celebrity guest partners who solve a crime every episode without a script. So it's – this is – the whole – uh the murder is something that's already been set up, but Will Arnett has a guest celebrity partner brought on. They don't have a script, and they have to go through this process um, and uh, ask questions about people that could be suspects, and by the end of it, the guest star has to – try to pin the murder on one of the people that they've interviewed. And, um, I've <laughs> six episodes are about 30 minutes a piece or so. And, um, I, I watched all six. <laughs> I just kind of got caught up cause it's, it's just an easy watch. It only takes a few hours. Um, guest stars are Annie Murphy, uh, from, uh, Schitt's Creek, uh, Conan O'Brien, Ken Jeong, Camille Nanjiani, Marshawn Lynch, and then <laughs> Sharon Stone. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I watched all six episodes and, um, I guess I, I couldn't, the, the the one thing that kept me watching was I just wanted to see how Will Arnett was going to interact with like the next celebrity guest and like how the next celebrity guest would react. And there's certain times where like they get people that are involved in, in the act that they kind of break, they get them to laugh and shit. Like there's, there's an episode where, where, uh, Will Arnett and Sharon Stone are looking at what's supposed to be a dead body. And the guy has like, had his heart removed out of his chest and you see all these stitches and they're talking about how good the stitches looked on him. And then Will Arnett starts talking about how the, The stitches are perfectly placed in the middle between his nipples. And then Will Arnett starts to, starts to touch this (laughs) dead body. And then, and then Sharon Stern starts to like pinch the nipples and make noises. (laughs) (laughs) And then you can see the guy who's playing the dead body start to, like, smile and and break, you know? And, like, that's the weird kind of shit that just kept me watching this. I wouldn't say it's, like, the best fucking thing I've ever watched, but it was addictive. So I'm going to give it a high-tasted overall. And I think some of the guest stars actually were better than others. Some of them that I was really looking forward to weren't as great as some of the ones that I just was not looking forward to um i thought conan o'brien was was okay annie murphy was not good at all and i love her in schitt's creek but Kumel nanjiani was amazing and sharon stone was actually really funny marshawn lynch was good um but uh i'll give it a high taste it um joe did you watch any of murderville
2: yeah i watched the first two episodes of it it's a very interesting concept and um I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it really depends on who that guest is coming in because I kind of felt a little underwhelmed by the Conan one as well. Yeah, um, but then the the second episode was a lot better. Um, it, both episodes had parts in it that like legit made me laugh out loud. Um, you know, I mean this is this is serviceable television. It'd be per- something perfect to put on. You know, if you're like folding laundry. Or, or something like that just to pass the time. They're half-hour episodes, so they go pretty quick. Uh, it's just a taste it for me. Uh, I don't know if I would continue it on or not, uh, but uh, I don't know. After you said the Kumail Nanjiani one's really good, I kind of want to go back and check that one out now. Kumail's great. There's this, there is this...
4: There's this part where Will Arnett goes to his high school reunion. He wasn't going to go, but a murder, hap- <laughs> a, a murder happens at his high school reunion. And so now he's going there to work. And so he shows up and he sees the girl that he always had a crush on. And Kumail Nanjiani, he, like, he's worried about being emasculated in front of Kumail Nanjiani. So he's like, all right, what I want you to do, he wants to make Kumail Nanjiani look really stupid As they're walking up to her. So he makes him put on this dumb face and do this dumb walk, and he's like, What's your signature sound? And and Kamel goes, (laughs) Kamel Nanjiani goes, And you can see Will Arnett just start breaking as a character. This gets Will Arnett to break and Will Arnett starts laughing as he's doing this. He's got this dumb face on and this dumb walk and he goes, ah! <laughs> and he's walking up there. I'm just, I, I had to rewind it and watch it again just so I could fucking laugh again. It was that Fucking funny. You've got to watch the Camille Nangiani episode. It is so good. Yeah, I'll check that one out. That That's one's out. good. I, individually, I'll give that episode a Tupperware. Absolutely fantastic. I fucking, Camille, like, they need to work on the guest stars because I feel, I felt like Conan, Conan should have been absolutely hilarious, but I think Conan got lost in the I want to figure out who perform this murder so i'm not going to (laughs) be as jokey as i could be and i just want to see i want to see more of them kind of just like fucking around and having fun with this as opposed or and sometimes uh like i love annie murphy but i felt like i felt like she was just lost this entire time. (laughs) Like, like what are we doing here? (laughs) And there's times where she's like breaking character and she's just cracking up. And I don't know. It's just, but Jake, what did you think about Murderville? Yeah. I love this. This
1: show was an absolute Tupperware for me. I thought it was just absolutely brilliant. Like even the, even when it was the not as good guest, I kind of still just fucking loved it because it was just so interesting on just the level of what they were attempting to do and how good or bad the person was at doing it because it, it's just so wild. Like it's kind of part game show, part improv, you know comedy and there's this murder mystery that even the audience gets to play along with and try to figure out as it goes and i I don't know like i was upset there was only six episodes i i really loved this show um i agree anytime will arnett would break was just absolutely fucking hysterical um I, I really loved the Conan episode. I I, <laughs> I thought him with the sloppy Doritos and, like, eating that food and having to ask the questions was really hilarious. I, his interaction <laughs> with the uh, little girl explaining to her that magic isn't real and what happened to the girl that was sawed in half just had me rolling. Um, I do agree that the Andy Murphy was probably the the worst of the six episodes. But even that, like, it still just kind of really had me, like, just – seeing what these people would do and what choices they would make and how they would interact with this just pure wackiness going on around them like Will Arnett is kind of a master of his game in this show I thought he was just really impressive with just all the improv that he did and yeah I fucking love this show I I hope we get a season two I hope it's one of those things that comes back in like three or four months I I would eat up six more episodes of this
4: well Netflix is really kind of like uh Gone into, gone to, gone in bed with, uh, with Will Arnett. They've given him a lot of stuff. You know, he had the, of course, arrest, it started with the rest of development. They gave him that series Flaked. He had like that, that, that really weird special where Will Arnett would just talk about stuff. Remember that? I can't remember yeah, what it was
1: called. Yeah, I do, I do. I forget what that was
4: called. And, you know, I mean, he, they've, Netflix has really gone gone in on will arnett and i guess this is based on the bbc3 television series murder in successville and so this is like a the uh netflix adaptation of that uh, bbc3 television series so. that's awesome and,
1: and I also agree that like the people that I wasn't excited for ended up being some of the best stuff like oh my god the Marshawn Lynch and when we had to pretend to be the mirror because the interrogation mirror wasn't there I I thought he was just hysterical doing that stuff um, <laughs> I loved how many F-bombs he dropped too yeah. like, you, you could so tell many. his <laughs> natural element was fuck everything like I, I you know it kind of endeared him to me you know we get that yeah
4: fuck yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh man, no, it's good, man. It's a, it's good. I just think that, uh, for season two, I'd like for them to maybe work on, like, some of their guests. I think, like, Ben Schwartz would be fantastic oh, in I this. Ben Schwartz, that'd be great. I was thinking, like, if he was- I'd love t- to see Adam Scott. Adam Scott? Yeah, he'd be great. Um, you know, uh, God, if he was still with us, Robin Williams would be made for this. Oh, that would be hilarious. Oh, no kidding. God, Robin Williams would have. I, I think Robin Williams would have made Will Arnett crack the most. That, that nobody funnier. There is nobody with that level of energy than Robin Williams. Robin Williams is just, just an incredible comedian. Um, but yeah, I think they need to kind of work on some of the guest stars next season. I, I for as much as I love Conan O'Brien, I felt like he held back, man, because he's funny, man. He's funny as shit. And yeah, man. I don't know.
1: His. I, I mean, it's all you know. Yeah, I, I respect your opinion, but oh my god, the stuff when he was with the the Moms of Magic and and his name in <laughs> it. I I I thought Conan was great. I just
4: think he's uh, I just don't think he was as quick-witted as I would have liked to have seen him cuz I think he's like really trying to pin the murder. He's really trying to work that out, but then <laughs> He's
1: definitely invested in figuring this yes,
4: shit out. Yes, he is. Sure. And you know, and he he's good. He's good. He's good at it. So um. Yeah, that is uh, Murderville on Netflix. Wild premise. Highly recommend. Definitely watch it. Not a not a huge investment. So watch Murderville on Netflix. Um, this is something I just found out. It actually came out. This is something I found out about recently. I was listening to Kevin Smith on uh, Fat Man Beyond, and he was talking about a series that he did called Slugfest. And, uh, I think this was originally a Quibi show, and then of course Roku channel bought all the Quibi content, and now it's on, uh, now it's on the Roku channel. And, uh, Slugfist, executive produced by industry icons Joe and Anthony Russo, explores how the decades-long relationship and rivalry between creative powerhouses Marvel and DC Comics pushed both companies to innovate and develop the stories that continue to captivate millions of fans around the world today. It's narrated by Kevin Smith. Each of this, uh, series, ten episodes, dives into unique stories from the company's rich and intermingled history. And it, it's got a ton, a ton. I'm not even going to name them all, but it's got like a ton of people doing like reenactments. Um, and I know like in the first episode, you had Brandon Ralph, uh, in future episodes, you know, Marina Bachran, Ron Perlman, Clark Gregg, and then there's interviews with a bunch of other people, like Vincent D'Onofrio shows up in this. And, um, and uh it starts off with you know the the creation of superman by jerry siegel and joe schuster and then the you know the creation of captain america from timely comics marvel comics at one time was called timely comics and uh you know how uh, joe simon and jack kirby created captain america and it just goes through all the different eras bringing up uh bring bring us up to like today and um I really liked it, man. I, you know, like they didn't dive into fucking everything, but I think for like you know eight to ten minute episodes, I think it really, you know, fleshed out a lot of different things in in, in a short amount of time, and and I really liked it. I'm gonna give it a Tupperware. I, I I loved it. I mean, we can break down some of the episodes if you guys want to. I don't know if you guys watched them all, but Joe, what did you think about Slugfest?
2: Yeah, I loved it, dude. I I watched all ten little mini episodes right in a row. Uh, This is a total Tupperware for me. Um, You know, I'm such a fan of comics with Marvel and DC. So this was this documentary was just right up my alley, uh, giving all of this history between the companies and really putting a nice bow on it at the end, saying, you know, neither of these companies would exist without the other. You know, it had Marvel gone out of business back in the day. It would have been bad for DC and vice versa. You know, because they keep pushing each other to to be better and try and one up the other. Uh, I, I really like the deep dives into some of the, the the big arcs and stuff, all the behind the scenes with the death of Superman and how that came about was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, my, my Spider-Man knowledge is a little bit sparse. And so all that stuff with the clone saga was all new to me. and And I thought that was pretty fun to hear about. Uh, I loved all the reenactments and stuff. I, I didn't imagine that they were going to get so many different names in this. Yeah, and, yeah. And the same with the people that they were interviewing as well from a lot of the current Marvel properties. And yeah, this was just a real treat. Uh, even if you don't have a Roku, you can just get on Ro- like RokuChannel.com and watch it. That was actually how I had to watch these. So I mean, it's free. They're they're very available. And if you're into comics, this is something that you're going to enjoy.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I love the. The, uh, one of my favorite episodes was the, um, Reverend Billingsley episode. Yes! That was, that was my
1: favorite. <laughs> that so good! Yeah, Jake, what were
4: your thoughts on this? yeah this is an absolute tupperware for me
1: as well i you know up until this morning, I was going to give this a high taste it and i I kind of realized that the reason I was giving this a high taste it was because I was wanting more so much and I was like i can't give this a negative mark because it left me wanting more just that hardcore like that that's a little bit mean so i I kind of upgraded it to a to a tupperware it's like kind of the perfect quibby show, just a nice little six to eight minute bite. Easily the best thing I ever saw you know, come from that network. Um, but yeah, the Reverend, Reverend Billingsley episode was one of my all-time favorite ones. Um, I really loved the uh, crossover. I did not know about that. Um, going to the Halloween parties and then actually like doing a Marvel-DC crossover without telling their yeah. respective editors that they were going to be doing that. Yeah. I, I thought that was crazy. Uh, I did not know about... I knew about Jack Kirby leaving and, you know, how high profile that was. But I never knew about his digs at uh, Roy Thomas and Stan Lee that were just so obvious in his books. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I was really surprised that we did a whole episode on the, uh, debacle that was the Spider-Man clone saga. I, mm. That was one of my favorite episodes as well. Um, yeah, this is just fucking great. If you're a fan of comic books, this is a real easy breezy about 45 minutes watching all 10 of these.
4: Yeah, definitely. I highly recommend the, uh, the Reverend Billingsley episode where they, you know, the uh, basically Doctor Strange meets God in the, in the comic and, and, kind of like how they were able to get slip that slip that by marvel and, brilliant and jason and uh, um, jason lee stanley um i was going to say i was going to talk about the jason todd episode where they did the 900 number that was a, also a good one where you could you vote to whether you're going to kill call that number yeah, i know you've you've told that story on the podcast yeah. i know you yeah. have i remember seeing the i remember seeing it but i never did call it
1: i did not ask permission yeah
4: yeah see that's that's yeah exactly that's why i didn't call um
2: (laughs) I enjoyed the episode too, where they were talking about the death of Superman, and that so many people that were, you know, non comic readers were just rushing out and buying every issue off the shelf and thinking that, you know, these these issues are going to put my kids through college. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Good yeah. luck
4: with that. Yeah. Yeah. And they all, the same people bought Beanie Babies, Joe. So, <laughs> oh, man.
1: one of my greatest prides is selling Superman 75 for $75 and like, Seeing the market drop like three weeks later, <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh man, I was so happy. You couldn't fucking get rid of that shit for a quarter, you know, three weeks later. So
4: I was very proud of myself. There's still so many. I would like them. They don't have to come back and do Slugfest season two, but if that no, I, actually, I definitely call it Slugfest season two. I would love that because there's so many other comic stories and runs that I think that they should explore in in this series like i would love uh the 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 issue where superman fought muhammad ali in the ring would be a great episode
1: yeah i would love to hear more about the uh the the marvel versus dc crossover that happened officially
4: yeah yeah oh yeah oh absolutely yeah when they when i mean they did talk about the superman versus spider-man comic but then there was the big event that happened in the 90s
1: Yeah, it was all fan voting. To this day, I'm pissed off that fans voted Batman is going to beat Captain America.
4: Oh, no. I'm not. stupid fans. I'm not. I'm 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 fine. (laughs) I'm I'm fine with that. Like Today, it would be Captain America would win if they were – because I think Marvel is kind of like – Well, it's a
1: a popularity contest. That was my problem with the whole premise was it wasn't – most people didn't naturally think about the actual face-offs. It was which character is more popular.
4: Yeah, there's always the excuse that if Batman is given prep time, he can beat anybody. Everybody will say, give Batman prep time, he'll beat anybody. So, Yeah, the,
1: the thing I always told myself to make myself feel better about it was it happened on Batman's home turf. Batman had home field advantage, so <laughs> I, I guess that helps. I, I think anywhere but Gotham and Batman's fucked.
4: Uh, let's see. Oh, final thing we're going to talk about in Good Pop, Bad Pop uh, is a... Uh, A movie. I saw a trailer for this uh, a couple months ago, and I was like, "Oh, I can't wait to see this in the theater." It never dropped in the theater near us, but it finally did hit uh, video on demand. It's an it's a movie called Flea. It's an animated, and that's spelled F L E E. And this has nothing to do with the with with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, (laughs) It's an animated documentary telling the true story about a man's need to confront his past in order to truly have a future. Amin arrived as an unaccompanied minor in Denmark from Afghanistan. Today at 36, he is a successful academic and is getting married to his longtime boyfriend. A secret he has been hiding for over 20 years threatens to ruin the life he has built for himself. For the first time, he is sharing his story with his close friend. Uh, it's an independent animated docudrama film directed by Jonas Poher Rasmussen. And, um, it follows the story of a man named Amin Nawabi, who shares his hidden past for the first time of fleeing his country. Riz Ahmed is an executive producer on this one, and it's reportedly the first film to be simultaneously eligible for consideration in the Oscar categories for animated feature, documentary feature, and international feature film. And... Um, I just thought that this was a wild documentary like just the way to present it is the fact that I, from what I got is that they changed names in this documentary and certain locations that way they could protect the people involved in this. And that's why they went the animated route. And I was just kind of like, as I was watching the trailer for this one, I was just like, this is just a bizarre way to show a documentary. Like with all like if what felt like real audio and then playing the story out in animation just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed really different to me. It felt like it was something I I really wanted to see. And the story was, it seemed like a, like a really powerful story. You know, you've got a, a young boy who is living in Afghanistan and then his family has to flee when the government was overtaken by communism and, and just how they all try to escape Afghanistan and what they face as they're trying to flee the country. And I think what makes the, I'd say for the first 30 minutes, I was not fully like in on this. And I, the last hour was just like, Holy shit. I'm like, I have to know, I have to know this story, like his untold story. He's never told this full story to, to anyone in all this time. And I was like, I want to hear this story. And I think it's a super powerful fucking story. And there's parts in it that were just very, uh, very moving. Not only that, like he's, he's also going, he's going through all this, but he can't like, he can't do all the other things that like, kids do you, you're not he's not he's, it's not like he's always going to school and he's you know me, making friends and and uh you know talking you know forming uh you know relationships with people he's basically locked himself up a lot of the time just he ex, he escapes to russia and the russian police there basically just if they see you out on the street and they know that you're not from moscow that you don't have your papers to live there they basically take all your money and then they'll threaten to fucking you know send you somewhere send you somewhere else or they'll just take all your money so they never want to leave the house and so he, he doesn't get to live as a normal boy and then he's finding out that you know he's not attracted to women he, they talk about how he's watching like a jean-claude van damme movie and he's starting to have like He's starting – he's very attracted to Jean-Claude Van Damme as a young boy. It was <laughs> awesome seeing animated Bloods for you Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to – Joe, what are your – thoughts? Did, did you get a chance to watch Flea? I,
2: okay, so I started watching this one way too late, and I was about 20 minutes into it, and then all of a sudden the the rental time ran out, and so it just shut off on me, and I was like, well – I've got this other stuff to watch, and so I moved on to that other stuff instead. But I, I saw enough of this to get a feel for what the documentary was like, and the way that they're presenting it with the animation and stuff was really, really unique. And it was, I found that part of it really, really good. Um, when I'd watched the whole trailer for it, I was like, "Wow, this feels like it's going to be a really, really tough story." Mm-hmm. And and so I mean, it was. I I almost felt like it was the universe winking at me a little bit when the rental ran out, where I was like, okay, I'm not going to get to the heart-wrenching parts of this yet. Um, But, I mean, it seemed like a really, really incredible presentation and just idea for a documentary.
4: Yeah, Jake, what did
2: you think?
1: Yeah, I, I loved it. I had much the same experience you had, too, where for maybe the first 20, 30 minutes, I just wasn't completely gripped with it. I think maybe it was jumping back and forth from present day to past a little bit too quickly for me to get completely invested in that first 20 minutes to a half an hour. But then once it kind of finds its footing and its narrative, I was just glued to the screen. And this was the highest of Tupperwares by the end of it. I I thought this was just exceptional. I, there was one point of this movie near the end where I was like bawling, like, and it wasn't like sadness tears. It was like happy tears. I was just so moved by um, one of the decisions that the main character made and the response from his family that it, it honestly brought me to tears. And I, I haven't been moved like that from a movie for, for a really long time. I, I thought this was incredible. There's nothing I'm more thankful that I watched than Flea this week because of this podcast. Uh, this was so good.
4: Yeah, I've had my eye on this one. I'm so glad that it was uh, available uh, to watch on video on demand. You can run it for six bucks. Uh, if you have like an apple or a Roku or any device that you 're streaming stuff on, you can no it 's not available everywhere i think it 's apple uh voodoo, and that might be it um, but yeah, flea is fantastic man just just the stories of how he was treated by you know the police in Moscow and then the st- the story of his sisters um, escaping to Sweden and, uh, on that boat in the, in the big freight containers and, uh, how scary that was. And then when they were fleeing Russia in the woods, some of these, some of these traffickers that would like, that would try to get them out of the country, just put them into some of the worst and most dangerous situations that they could, you could ever imagine. And, and, um, it's a powerful fucking movie, dude. Like, even though it's animated, I, 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 think the animation actually kind of enhances your experience because you're, you're seeing, cause you know, there's no footage of this. This is just a man's story, but you're hearing his words and watching the animation and it just, it really just kind of comes alive. It makes the story come alive in a way that, you know, some other, you know, documentaries can't do. So I think it was a really wise choice to do the animation. It really worked out well here and, um, I yeah. agree.
1: And I thought the the very sparse footage that they did use, along with the music, did a really good job. Yeah. helping me put it in the like real world timeline of mm-hmm. when these things were happening. Uh, it was brilliant.
4: Yeah, absolute Tupperware. Highly recommend. It's uh, called Flea, and you can rent it. Hopefully, it'll be available on uh, on a streaming service shortly. Hopefully, it'll be like on Amazon or Netflix for everybody to watch. Um, Joe, I would still watch it, man. I would still watch it, man. It's very powerful, very moving.
2: I'll keep an eye out for it when it comes to streaming, because I was really, really intrigued by the presentation of it.
4: These are, these are, these are stories that, you know, that you, these are stories that, that are kind of like lost. Like we don't get to hear about these experiences, you know, and these are, it's, it's just what people will do for, for freedom. It's just, it's unreal, man. This guy has led this, ins- just, just this insanely, like so many, so many, so many dark things have happened to this guy. Um he's seen so many dark things and for him to like be who he is today and, and be in a healthy relationship and, and for, for the most part it sounds like he's happy. It's, just, yeah. an, it's an, just
1: how much his family sacrificed for yeah. him to be in the situation that he eventually gets to be in. And it's it's very moving how he never takes any of that for granted. Like he uses that to propel him stuff himself into success and yeah. doing well in life. And um, I was really gripped when he talks about how every minute, every week, every day, every month, his older brother loses a chance at having a normal life. And that really stuck out to me that, that he made it through just in time to be able to succeed and have a, a semi-normal life compared to mm. the rest of his family and, and what they had to do.
4: Yeah. Uh, it really made so- Oh God. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. I- I'm I'm like, t- yeah, around it too. Um, mm. But, yeah,
1: it's, it's worth watching. Like, if I tell you about, like, all the parts that move me the most, it, it won't move you as much. Yeah, it, yeah. You just watch them naturally.
4: Yeah. Please watch it, everybody. Flee. Flee. Um, let's move on into the uh pop culture leftovers news.
0: read all about it. It's news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo.
4: All right. A few, uh, a few weeks ago, we reviewed uh the new Scream movie. And I said, Alright, you know, and I enjoyed it, Jake. Gave it a high taste, enjoyed the movie. I said, Oh, we don't need it anymore. Well the movie did movie did pretty well. So here's News from Dark Horizon Scream Six ordered and uh films this summer. So it's gonna it's gonna film this summer and by the time we see this movie it's about like a year and a half turnaround. Uh, from when the, from, from when, uh, Scream 5 or Scream released. Having made over 100 million worldwide in theaters since it opened last month, the recent fifth Scream film is set to get a follow-up. Yes, Scream 6 has officially been ordered by Paramount and Spyglass with shooting to kick off this summer. No plot details are available at present. The Radio Silence team of Matt bettinelli Open and Tyler Gallette are returning to direct, while James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick are also back to write the script all worked in those capacities on the most recent film and uh, yeah we're getting scream six Jake we're getting scream six should we should we should we be excited Jake that they're doing another one
1: I'm not personally I I think they should end on a high note that was a pretty good movie especially compared to a couple of the other sequels before it. Um the fact that the turnaround is so fast. And I when I read this article I couldn't believe that they were already gonna be already gonna be filming this summer. Um I really like the radio silence writing team. Um it's a little bit disappointing that I think they're getting caught up in money at this point. And I I would more prefer they move on and do another original property than getting like maybe a bad reputation by putting out a not so great screen movie. I I think they're going to be hard pressed to make a better movie than they made with this last one. And yeah. worst case scenario, it's going to be a real pile of garbage. I
4: think they um, want to. I think they want to follow up with the with the uh, dark side of that one character. I think. Yeah, I really... think you're right. I think I think that's a mistake.
1: I don't. I don't think anyone's interested i think one of the biggest draws of the last movie was getting all the legacy characters involved um i don't think it was a successful passing of the torch i don't i don't think it was a complete failure but i didn't leave the movie going oh i can't wait to see the further exploits of these relatives
4: yeah Um, like this this did not like the the original cast is so good like matthew lillard and And um, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Jamie Kennedy, um, fucking just an amazing original cast. Like none of the new cast really like shined. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like when you're watching, you know, for as much as I love, you know, I love, you know, the original Star Wars trilogy. I really did fall in love with Poe, Finn and Ray when we watched, you know, The Force Awakens. Um, now we can talk about what happened with those characters later on down the road, but I think the way that they started off, like I was invested in these, in these, in this new core group of characters that were following.
1: Oh yeah. The passing of the torch worked. The, the actual carrying part. Yes. Is debatable. Exactly. And,
4: but I don't think that they even passed the torch the well here. Like I, no. I don't, I wasn't blown away by it. And I'm not, I don't care to see any more of, these characters going forward. I, I really don't care. It's I, I, at the end of the day, everything that I really loved about the, you know, the latest scream entry was the legacy characters involvement in the movie.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I'm, a, I think I'm even a little bit more forgiving about the new characters than you are, but I'm still exactly in the same camp that they weren't captivating enough that I need to see their further exploits. Tell me, um, give me
4: hey, here, here we go. Tell me one name of one character. Oh, Sam? <laughs> it's you, you, you said that with a question mark at the end.
1: Yeah, she was the. <laughs> she was the actual like she was the person, right?
4: I could. I it, it, you could have held a gun to my head. You could have. You could have held a gun to all my all three of my cats' heads, and I would not have yeah. been able
1: to. Goldie Hawn's kid. That
4: was one of the new characters. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jack Quaid. I can give you Jack, but but you, can you get can you say his name? Do you no, know his, his character, character's name? No. No. no, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a sure bet
1: that they're gonna um, get Matthew Lillard involved somehow in this next one. I think they need a hook, and I I'd be willing to bet money that that'll be their hook. Matthew
4: Lillard is not dead. And he will be starring in this new screen movie. That is, that actually is in my notes right now. If you're looking at my notes, if anybody was looking at my notes, I actually put in my notes that Matthew Lillard could be a possibility for, um, the villain in the next one because there's been a theory, uh, for years that his character was never seen, uh, dead on screen. We never saw a dead body. We just all believe that he bled out in that house. We never saw a body. And then Jake, did you ever, did you ever see his cameo appearance in scream Two? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There there's a party and, and he's, doesn't he have like blonde frosted tips, but yeah, Matthew Lillard can be seen in scream Two, And apparently (laughs) he's not, he's, they don't put him in like the credits or anything. And they, I think they just like call him like, you know, party goer in scream two yeah, it
1: was one of those things where the cast really
4: united on that first movie mm-hmm.
1: and he made a set visit because he was just such good friends with everyone after the experience um wes craven included that they just kind of gave him a, a quick uncredited cameo
4: yeah and in, in scream two i i think that he'll i if i had to put bets on it that that's what they're gonna do is like he's gonna be alive in the next one yes Yeah,
1: I'm not. I mean, I will see Scream 6, Yeah, but but I'm a little bit disappointed that we're not just leaving it be. I I think either completely reboot the thing, which I don't really want either, but I'd almost prefer that to another sequel to this thread.
4: Yeah. Joe, you didn't see the new Scream, did you?
2: I still haven't seen that new one yet. Yeah. Yeah. I would watch it. I've seen almost all the other ones, though, and... Like, shit, I even watched that series that was on MTV. I think I watched the majority of the first season of it. I've heard good things about that. I I've have, too. That's the
1: only screen thing I've never seen. i
2: It seen. fun.
4: K- I watched the first two episodes and I dropped off, but everybody kept saying, like, you know, it just keeps getting better and better and better, but I just never got back to it.
2: My wife watched all of it and she loved it. She said that some of the kills in that were among the most gruesome that she's seen in any of the movies. Hmm. Uh, I
4: just saw this today. Heroic Hollywood had an article titled, Meet the Key Characters in the Quantum Leap Reboot. Did you hear about this? No, I did not. Mm-mm. Yeah, the 90s sci-fi series Quantum Leap is getting a reboot at NBC. We we knew about that. They've ordered a pilot. And just because it's a pilot order doesn't mean it's going to go to series. But this article goes on to say, And now we've got a better idea of what fans can expect from the upcoming series. The original Quantum Leap followed physicist Sam Beckett as he timed hop through various eras by leaping into the bodies of other people. The new series takes place in the same universe following a new team assembled to restart the Quantum Leap project. With casting currently underway for the NBC pilot, let's take a look at the characters bringing this reboot to life. I think maybe they got a hold of like a cast, a casting sheet or something like that with... uh descriptions of the new characters but I'm not I'm not 100% sure the following characters are described as being series regulars and key players in the new quantum leap series Dr. Ben Prasad Ben is the first is a first generation American a world-renowned physicist and a man of faith he's also working on quantum leap a time travel project but when he uses the project on himself he transported he's transported back to the late 80s and struck with a bout of amnesia forgetting what made him time travel in the first place casting for Ben calls for a man, blah, blah, blah. Addison. Addison is a smart, witty, fearless ex-military operative who now serves as a a project lead at Quantum Leap headquarters. She's in charge of the technology they use to communicate with the past and tries to rescue Ben from his time-flung existence. Uh, Ian Wright, Quantum Leap's non-binary chief architect of the AI program who prefers the company of computers to that of other people. Herbert Magic Williams, a Vietnam vet and current head of the time travel project at Quantum Leap. Herbert Magic Williams uses his no-nonsense personality and aura of control to keep the Pentagon at bay while the team tries to rescue Ben. Jen, head of security at Quantum Leap, blah, 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 whatever. Oh, I, boy. I, know, I don't... I... <laughs> I... I, 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 I Ugh. Ugh. Uh, uh, uh. It has nothing to do with Sam. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I don't care.
1: I don't. Yeah, this definitely does look like casting because I'm reading further along and there's Naomi, a wife attempting to ask her husband for a divorce. Yes. Unfortunately, she doesn't realize he Ben occupies her husband's body. The open casting calls for a woman in her late thirties. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
4: Chalk this up
2: for shit we don't need.
4: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think what they're, I mean, here's the thing, you know, we had uh Star Trek, you know, that that ran on TV, and then, you know, 1987 comes around, you know, 20 years later, and we're getting Next Generation. I think, like, this is basically, you know, Quantum Leap's answer to the Next Generation. This is like Quantum Leap Next Generation. It's all, all new characters, and I, I know it did tie in. I mean, I know Bones showed up in the first episode of Star Trek Next Generation and shit, but... For the most part, we're following this new, this new cast and, and, uh, the adventures on the Enterprise. And this seems like it's just gonna be, uh, a new, uh, new characters thrown into the world of, uh, the quantum leap and the technology here. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not excited for this. I'm not excited for this now. My excitement level went down, so. Yeah, any chance of giving a shit is gone after hearing this. Yeah, I know. God damn it. Uh, See, you know, and I mean, I know Dean Stockwell's not with us anymore, but I was still, I still wanted, I still wanted Sam to get out of there. You know, the guy's in there. And who knows? They might tease it at the end. You know, who knows? You know, fucking. By the end of the first season, you know, Dr. Ben Prasad could bump into uh, a, a man, you know, Sam. He, he could bump into Sam Beckett. But by the time I that news article comes out, I'll be like, fuck, now i got to watch all these other goddamn episodes to get to that point. <laughs> like, uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quantum Leap's totally going to pull up Boba Fett and after four episodes of You Don't Give a Shit, going to go to the story you actually do care about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
4: totally.
2: And having it link in with Sam and like somehow tie into that original series, because that is kind of how the next generation. I mean, it does start off with these original characters kind of ushering in this this new cast and this new crew. It, you know, it's kind of nice. Like, I, I thought that was really cool when I went back and started rewatching Next Generation a while back. Um, and that's the only thing about this new quantum leap that could have piqued my interest. Cause I fucking loved quantum leap when I was a kid. That yeah. was like must see TV. You know, I, I fucking loved it and, and just rebooting it to reboot it is, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like that. And, and the only way I would have liked it is if they would have had some sort of way to tie it in. And yeah, so this is, this is a hard pass for me. Yeah, I mean, he could still, he
4: could bump into Sam if he's going into the late 80s, right? He could, like, he could, that's when Sam went into the project. Sam can just go into, like, different por- parts of, points in time of his lifetime. Yeah. And so, I suppose, I mean, but most of them were taking place in, like, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So, I guess that he could, I mean, Jake, he could. I mean, he could bump into Sam if he's getting into like the late '80s. Could happen.
1: Yeah, I could see it. It's definitely one of those things where if the show isn't being well received, then we can just have a cliffhanger ending where we run into Sam to try yeah. to bring this thing back to life.
4: Oh, I, 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 I bet you anything that there's going to be there's going to be. I, I bet you anything by the end of season one. I'd be shocked if there's no Sam. If if we don't get Scott Bakula in this series, I'd be shocked if they don't try to include him in some way in the series. And if they don't, they're stupid. It'd be dumb not to. Yeah. It'd be dumb exactly. not to. All right. That's, uh, Jake, are you good or you need a break? Oh, I'd love a break. I goddamn you! <laughs> Breaking it up. We'll be right back.
0: Baking pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take a bacon and I'll pu- put it in a pancake. Baking pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. baking pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take a bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Baking pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. bacon pancakes. bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take a bacon and I'll pu- put it in a pancake. Baking pancakes.
4: All right, hey, we are back and it is now time for Marvel News. Marvel News. All right. We got, uh, news here from, uh, comicbook.com. Man, I love the, the title here. It's just, they just like, whoo! Marvel She-Hulk star Tim Roth lets up, sl- lets slip a major spoiler about Abomination's return. And I read it and it's like, I hardly call this a major spoiler. Just these titles that they try to. (laughs) You got to click. You got to find out. Yeah, I I, I read that title and it says major spoiler about Abomination's Return. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what do they know about Abomination's Return? Oh, my God. And then I read this. Abomination actor Tim Roth might have just let out a giant spoiler for She-Hulk in an interview with the Disney Insider, the star, explained that a human version of Emil Blonsky is in the Disney Plus series. Basically, they asked him if he would ever get that physical screen time back, and he responded, Oh, yeah! Now fans still don't know a ton about She-Hulk, but they're expecting all kinds of wild things. The show is billed as a legal drama, but there has to be some kind of underlying action lurking. Bringing back Mark Ruffalo and Roth seems like a recipe to see them throw down again. If that wasn't enough evidence, the last time fans saw Abomination, he was tangling with Wong and Shang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings. During that adventure, it seemed likely that the villain had entered into a new phase of his life. Maybe She-Hulk helped him argue his sentence down? We'll have to wait until later this year to see. Jake, major spoiler, man. Oh, I know.
1: Honestly, I thought we already knew this, too that he was going to be in it in his human form.
4: Major spoiler, Jake. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Get them clicks with that old news comicbook.com. I don't know. I I, that,
2: that is really overreaching on a title.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, the one thing that I did want to kind
4: of like uh, talk about with this is the rumor that by the end of the She-Hulk series, which first off, Supposedly, we're getting more Matt Murdock in this now. I, I don't. I still don't think we're going to get Matt Murdock in the Daredevil suit in this series. Uh, I think that you know we might get a look at like of the suit itself, possibly. And I'm I'm hearing it's going to be the red and uh, dark yellow suit. Is that all the all the rumors that's awesome? Um, But. I don't know if we're going to get to see him in the suit. We might see the suit. Like, there was a rumor online that during Spider-Man No Way Way Home, he was going to open up a drawer in his office and we were going to see his old suit, like, from the Netflix series in there. But that never happened. Um, I don't know if we're going to... I don't think we're going to see him in the suit. But there's this big rumor at the end of the She-Hulk series that they're going to be sending Hulk off planet. And so, I mean, I, yeah, I, I really, I really kind of want to know a lot more about like it's, it's billed as a legal drama. Um, I, maybe it is, maybe it is, uh, maybe it is, you know, uh, Jessica fucking, you know, uh, defending him and getting his sentence reduced. And wouldn't that be fucked up for like, you know, Bruce Banner to be on the other side of that, you know, his cousins representing him. And I mean, I don't know. I, it, it'll be interesting. I, I, I really have no idea what they're going to do with this show and how it ends. If the rumor is true that Hulk is sent off planet, like if, if this is a government decision to send Hulk off planet because he's too dangerous. Like, how does this? I just want to know how the series plays out
1: yeah that is very interesting i i bet you're on the right path i bet she does end up defending him i, I really do think they're going to go like the dan slot run route with the she-hulk series and it's going to be lots of like court cases involving other like superhero super villain characters that we know mm-hmm. and, and i think there's going to be like interesting twists in who's defending who
4: yeah it'll be um i mean maybe there's some armor war stuff in this too this would be the perfect place to set up stuff like that i think yeah yeah
2: the bit with it with banner going off world at the end doesn't make any sense to me because it, it feels like they kind of already squeezed that juice out at you know with ragnarok unless they're going to do something where it's they're going to kind of incorporate what happened with there a little bit and then turn it into world war hulk but yeah 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 i think
1: they're just going to skip all the middle there joe they're going to skip the planet hulk aspect of it that would be my guess they send him off and we don't see him again until he comes back and he's very very angry
4: it made me think like okay they're sending him out they're sending him off let's say let's say the rumor is true they're sending him off planet Um, Maybe they're just trying to set up, like, you know, we're not getting individual Hulk movies. We're going to get more Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner in this She-Hulk series. But, like, we're not getting Hulk movies. You know, there's still, like, the universal side of that whole of the business. Makes me wonder, like, if he's going out into space, like, where could his next appearance be? Well, you know, the last movie he was in, you know, before... Endgame, we saw him in Ragnarok. So what if what if he shows up in the Marvels?
1: Mm, that's a, that's a good place for him. It, we could definitely see the like outer space stuff in that show.
2: Or what if he's in Love and Thunder?
4: I don't think so. I don't think he's going to be in Love and Thunder. No, oh, we already I'm know just trying like to the think Guardians of other are there you know like it was it, we, uh, the thor the thor franchise got a real you know um, a real boost from having hulk in that you know with the arena and maybe maybe the captain marvel movie needs a little bit of a, an injection too you know a hulk injection i don't know i i'm just i'm speculating if 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 they if if they're sending him into space like why is he going into space I can just I what I'm trying to figure out is like if he's going into space it's not because he's going to get his own solo movie. So what where what's the next movie that we're going to see him pop up in?
2: Right? I mean, yeah, it seems like just sending him to space is a way to set up for him to be in another you know, cosmic property. Right. I
4: don't think it's going to be Eternals 2. I don't think it's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So I'm trying to think like what other franchise might need like a Hulk injection like Thor, Ra- Thor Ragnarok, you know, it, it might- I think Marvel's is a
1: perfect one. I mean, I, I we like that movie, but I know that movie has a lot of detractors and that would be a way to make it so even the detractors are going to want to see the movie because everyone likes the Hulk and they want to see what his next step is.
4: I, you know, I really I, – I think Brie Larson really – now that we've established the character, now that she's not – you know, not now that we don't have to see a whole movie of her trying to remember who the fuck she is and shit, now they really need to let her character just be who she is and let her shine. And I think it would be great to see her, you know, working with Mark Ruffalo in the movie and just like the way that fucking, you know, Chris Hemsworth got to work with Ruffalo. I think it would be great. I think it would be – I. I think it would really add a lot to that movie. So, we'll see. I don't know. I'm just trying to guess. I, I, I cuz you can't predict like, oh, he's going to go to space, we're going to get a Hulk movie out in space. That, it, that it's just not going to happen.
2: No, it, especially with the the deal with Universal and stuff like that. And also, you know, Captain Marvel is one of those characters that she's definitely strong enough to smack the Hulk around if need be.
4: But why, yeah, another thing is like why, why, why do they feel like Hulk? If if let's say it is the government that makes a decision to send Hulk off planet because he's too powerful. I mean, the last time we saw Bruce Banner, like he's. Well, last time we saw Hulk, he was Professor Hulk, and the last time we saw Mark Ruffalo was as you know as Bruce Banner. He was he wasn't even the Hulk. So it's like, why is this decision coming down now? If the rumor is true, why are they sending off sending him off world?
2: Yeah, That and also these gentle enough to where children are taking selfies with him. Yeah.
4: You know, yeah. That's not a public
2: monster. <laughs> I, maybe, I
4: mean, maybe it comes down to, I keep trying to think of like, maybe it's like this conspiracy. Maybe it's more Thunderbolt Ross stuff where he's trying to put like this negative light on the Avengers and really um, – put this positive spin on, like, his team that he's putting together with Val. I, I do think it's – I, or at least it's Val and the government. We can't really throw Thunderbolt Ross in there because it's not been revealed yet. But, like, Val's team of this, like, Dark Avengers or Secret Avengers that she's forming. And, like, the government is probably going to want to put them in a really good light to where, like, that's where the public are going to, you know, um, uh, they're going to uh, – I love these new Avengers, and like the old Avengers are the ones that they're not going to trust anymore, and so maybe maybe that's where like this they're gonna try to work it to where like the the public views the Hulk as a threat, and then he's sent off off world and uh now we're left with like the 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 dark Avengers, and I don't know i I, I really Do you don't. think it could
2: really be- safe bet.
1: Do you think it could be Jennifer herself that gives that sentence to to
4: Bruce? I called her. Je- I called her Jessica. Um, oh, yes, Jessica. Je- I it called. It's Jennifer. It's right? Jennifer Walters. Yes, I called her Jessica. Um, you th- oh, Jennifer herself is the one that kind of like
2: facilitates
4: facilitates the- it. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I don't, man. Yeah, that'd be interesting.
2: It does seem like, though, if there is going to be some sort of dark Avengers team operating, you know, they're not going to want the Hulk around. So that would be a good reason to get him off planet, then, what? if they have something to do with it.
4: What if they send him off planet, and the next time we see Hulk is in the Fantastic Four movie?
2: <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say Fantastic Four. I love it.
4: I, I could see that. That'd well, be
2: great. I mean, you're going to
4: have a lot of people this, saying, I, "Can not I just get a Fantastic Four movie?" I we have we've we've had many of them. So uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see Hulk pop up in in the Fantastic Four movie. Maybe maybe he's sent off planet and he's the one that I don't know. That makes total sense. I mean,
1: the first crossover Marvel ever really did with its characters was having the Hulk show up in Fantastic Four, right? It's like one of the earliest issues, like it's like issue 5 or 6, I believe, and it, you know, set up kind of the legendary rivalry between uh the Thing and the Hulk and who would win in that fight.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Have you seen all the news this week about the new Fantastic Four team in the comics? No. Mm-mm. It's uh it isn't it's um uh... Wolverine is it Wolverine Hulk Punisher and Spider-Man oh, I'd have to look it oh
1: up. they did that trick way back when when we were kids yeah yeah I remember that too. it was it was Ghost Rider Spider-Man Wolverine and Hulk I believe
4: yeah I remember when She-Hulk was a member of uh, the Fantastic Four
1: yeah was, I remember wow. that too and yeah. Ding had his own solo book because he was on some fucked up planet or some shit yeah yeah, they've they've kind of rotated members around. Um, that's cool, though. I wonder if it's a stunt or they're going to keep that team for a few years.
4: They'll probably. Yeah, they'll keep it for a while. I would imagine. I don't. I can't remember who's writing that book, though. I have to look that up. But it's I think,
1: not Dan Slott anymore. He's off Fantastic for
4: I don't think it's Dan Slott, hmm. but I could be wrong. It's in the. It's going to be in the April solicitations. I'd have to look it up, guys. I, I'm sorry. I'm just going off memory. Um, be fun. Let's see here. Uh, oh, yeah. More Marvel news from comicbook.com. Dakota Johnson to play Madam Web in Spider-Man's spinoff movie. Uh, so, yeah. According to a new report, Fifty Shades of Grey star Dakota Johnson. I love how they, they throw out probably, like, the, the shittiest movie she's in. Yeah.
1: It's the one that's given her the most notoriety.
4: Yeah, it is. I mean, we just, uh, you know, I, we reviewed her last week in that Cha-Cha Real Smooth movie. She's great in that movie. and Anyway, uh, she's going to be, she set to star as Madam Webb, uh, in, uh, in a Sony Marvel superhero movie, the, let's see here. Um, it seems to finally be, this is actually, this is a couple years ago. They announced this movie, but now they just, they finally have cast, uh, her, I, I guess when they first announced the movie, a lot of us are, I guess a lot of us are just thinking like, Oh, it's not going to come to fruition. Like it's not going to happen. Like this is on the back burner no it's still happening so is the Craven movie so um, with two successful venom movies and Morbius on the way they they've got this one uh, they got this one coming out what is what do they say about this?
1: Aaron movie? Taylor Johnson right
4: Aaron Ta- well Aaron Taylor Johnson's playing Craven yes yes um as originally described by comic books Kofi Outlaw, when the movie was announced, the Cassandra Webb of the Marvel Comics source material is a mutant born in Salem, Oregon. She is afflicted with a neuromuscular disease that leaves her paralyzed and blind, but has the formidable psychic powers of telepathy, clairvoyance, and precognition, allowing her insight into events well beyond the capability of her physical body. Madam Webb gets her name from the web-like life support machine she's hooked into, which looks like a giant spider's web. Yeah, um, I don't know. Weird casting because, like, in the comics, she's an old woman. And now we've got uh, a very young um, Dakota Johnson playing her. And um, I don't know. I mean, is she going to be kind of like, you know, now that Spider-Man doesn't know Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange doesn't remember him. Is she going to be kind of like the new kind of like Doctor Strange in this Spider-Man universe going forward? And a lot of people are thinking, like, this could lead to – a, a live action Spider Verse movie where we see all of these characters, kind of like come together for like a big event, on the Sony side of things, and I'm talking about you know, you know Andrew Garfield and uh, you know maybe Tom Holland and um, Toby Maguire, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's Craven, Venom, Morbius, Madam Webb, a big, huge kind of crossover between all these characters in a big Spider-Verse movie.
1: I could see that. I mean, I, I think after seeing what happened when they did a slight crossover in the last Spider-Man movie, I, I think they want to capitalize on ideas like that. I bet they're brainstorming all kinds of things exactly like that. Hmm. So, so I could see it. And I could see um, Madam Web being very much like a focused piece of that puzzle used to bring all the different universes together.
4: Yeah. I, I like Dakota Johnson. Um, but I don't, I I don't care for the announcement of a Madam Web movie. I'm sorry.
1: I've always thought the Madam Web character was a little bit boring. It's never been a character I've, I've ever loved. Um, Straczynski used her a lot in his run with the Ezekiel storyline and I was never the biggest fan of that. And it just kind of drug on forever. And yeah, Madam web is just like riddles and prophecies and anytime stories go into that, I kind of get annoyed.
4: Well, they've got to, ma- they've got to update the character and make her more exciting. And you know, for, for audiences, I don't think that they can take the a hundred percent, the comic book approach to this character the, Um, here. I, they got to do something new with her. I don't know. I don't know about a Madam web movie.
2: I don't think I've ever read the character at all. I'm completely unfamiliar with her.
4: <laughs>
1: she wears, like, um, blind owl glasses yes. and big goggles. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a ridiculously designed character, and definitely it's like a lot of times I'm like, oh, just make the costume look like the comic book. Here I'm the exact opposite. I'm like, please don't please figure something else out. Yes,
4: they've got to do something different with her to make a whole movie about her. I mean... She's not the kind of character that fucking like goes on adventures and fights villains,
1: yeah, at least not in the comics. She's very much just sits and hides and like tells other people strange prophecies,
2: yeah, <laughs> Does she like mentally project herself into people's minds if she's like kind of bedridden she
4: can tra- yeah. yeah she could she can transfer her psychic abilities into other people, hmm. So
1: she's always like Spider-Man, you have to accept the spider like qualities of your powers type of character. Yeah. Really trying to bring the animal to the forefront.
4: Here, here Uh. here we go. Webb has other ties to the Spider-Man universe. She's the grandmother of Charlotte Witter, who became the villain version of Spider-Woman. She's also tied to Julia Carpenter, the second version of Spider-Woman that served on the Avengers. When Cassandra is mortally wounded, she transfers all of her psychic abilities to Julia, making the younger woman into the second Madam Web. So maybe she'll be that version of Madam Web. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> still don't care. <laughs> I still don't care for a Madam Web movie. They're really going to have to uh, they're going to have to blow me away with this fucking trailer, man.
2: Yeah, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'd be okay if she had a supporting role in a future Spider-Man movie. Uh, even that, I'm like not, not like freaking out about it. Yeah,
4: her,
1: her own movie? Ugh.
4: I don't know. I feel like I feel like Sony's bitten off way more than they can chew here with some of these projects. I mean, we don't. I mean, we don't know what we're gonna get with the Morbius movie. We don't know what we're gonna get with the Kraven movie. And now they're just they're going. Full steam ahead uh, with with a Madam Web movie. So I I don't know,
2: man. It's a weird choice. <laughs> it's a really weird choice. But I mean, Sony's <laughs> one of those companies where it's like it seems like they really dream big. You know, they'll announce ten movies and maybe two of them will get made. So I mean, who even knows what the future holds? But I mean, they clearly are capable of getting a good hit because you know, Into the Spider Verse was fucking amazing yeah but like so, i mean with, you had phil lord and chris miller involved in that exactly i mean they, they've they so they've got to have like a good writing team they've got to have a good story it can't just be oh look at this character that we're showing you and now we're going to do a movie about them yeah it's like, well do you even have a decent idea for a movie
4: they've got sj clarkson she's going to be directing it and she's done a bunch of tv a, a ton of tv um jessica jones i'm trying to think oh my god she's done Uh, I'd have to look her up. She has done a fuck ton of television and she's done some really great episodes of stuff. And then some bad episodes of certain shows. Um, I think she might've done some defenders as well. Um,
1: it's weird that they would go the Madam web route and not go the spider woman route. Yes. Madam web as like a mentor character to a spider woman movie.
4: Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. Weren't they? I mean, There were uh, there was a time where it was like we couldn't figure out like was Spider Woman Marvel Studios or was Spider Woman Sony? Was she part of the Spider family? You know, there was like there was debates for years on that. I think I I think she's owned by Sony.
1: Yeah, because I love the Jessica Drew character. I would love that character to get MCU introduced.
4: Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I don't know about this. I don't know. We'll see what happens with the Madam Web movie. Um, News from comicbook.com. Tom Tom Holland clarifies his Spider-Man comments about retiring from the role. So, yeah, uh, it was back in November. Holland spoke about passing the torch to someone else. He said, if I'm playing Spider-Man after I'm 30, I've done something wrong. During a recent interview with Esquire Middle East, Holland clarified his comments saying his words... Uh, have, quotes, been slightly misconstrued. What I was basically trying to say is that if I am 30 and still playing Spider-Man, and I haven't passed on the baton to a Miles Morales or a Spider-Woman or something more diverse, then I will have done something wrong in the sense of duties that I have to that character, have to the character. Um, Holland explains, not that if I'm playing Spider-Man in my 30s, I'm some washed-up has-been. That's not what I was saying at all. I I mean... Here's the thing, like I I love the idea of bringing in a live action Miles Morales. I love the idea of bringing in a live action Spider Woman. But on the flip side, like I don't think you necessarily have to pass on the baton. I think you can all exist in the same universe, just like you do in the comics.
1: Agreed. Yeah, it's unbelievable that they wouldn't figure that out after the success they just had having a bunch of Spider Man <laughs> exist in the same universe. Yeah,
4: so yeah. Maybe true that. maybe
1: they'll get to that point eventually.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of his comments, I'm just chalking them up as the fact that, like, there, he doesn't have, like, a, a new contract for, like, a new trilogy or whatever, like, you know what I mean, going forward. So you're always going to kind of, like, leave it on, like, uh you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm saying goodbye to this role until they show up to my house with a dump truck full of money.
2: Yeah. yeah. Dude, that's the same way I'm looking at it. Every time he comes out and says something, it's like... No, he's out of his fucking mind if that's how he truly feels. That by some arbitrary age, he wants to walk away from making millions of dollars and being, you know, this... I mean, who the fuck wouldn't want to be Spider Man? I mean, he's out of his fucking mind. So it's clearly it's just a, a negotiation tactic.
4: It's posturing, absolutely. It's like it's posturing. It's like he got on the phone with Robert Downey Jr. and he said, "After you finished Iron Man three, and everybody thought you were leaving, how did you make, get the most money to squeeze out of the studio? What can I say to squeeze the most money out of the studio?" And uh, Robert Downey Jr. was like, "Okay, here's the playbook, kid." (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And it almost
1: sounds like he got in trouble too. Like he was forced to like walk back what he said.
4: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um yeah, don't i say
1: playing Spider Man means you're washed up. Take that back.
4: I, I, I firmly believe that there's gonna be enough money to to bring him back and and play this character for another decade. I really do. I firmly do. I I don't think that the Uncharted franchise is gonna take off so much that uh <laughs> for as much as I don't want that movie to suck, and I have no attachment to the Uncharted video games at all but i do love a good like adventure you know movie with a you know with like kind of like a uh, an explorer type character and 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 jungles and adventure and and, you know, stunts and shit like that. You know, it it looks like a wild movie. Like, that part where he's, like, in that cargo plane and he's, like, jumping all over the cargo as it's falling out of the plane trying to get back into the plane. It looks like, it, like a really fun action sequence. I don't have a lot of, like, hope that that movie's going to be like, oh, my God, it's a Tupperware. But I hope it's good. I don't want it to suck. But I don't think that that movie is going to be, like... You know, oh, that's the defining role for Tom Holland, and he's he's done with Spider Man. You know,
1: Nathan Drake now.
4: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't. I don't. And I, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, just like, I think, you know, just like Robert Downey Jr. is having a hard time. I think doing anything post Iron Man. You know, he tried the what was that fucking animal movie he did Dr. Dolittle yeah I mean come on I mean and I think Chris Evans you know for as much as I love Knives Out I feel like I don't know we'll see what he does going forward I know he's uh, isn't he doing another movie with Ryan Johnson
1: Mm, I think that is true I think they just announced that recently
4: yeah I hope things work out but I I firmly believe he's going to come back as Captain America at least one more time Oh yeah, totally. me too. And me I'm too. not talking about old man Cap. I'm talking about they're gonna they're gonna fucking they're gonna de-age him.
1: Oh yeah, the checks in the mail.
4: Yeah. yeah. All right, Tom, you're coming back. I'm not worried about it. Um, yes, uh, this was from Slash Film. Tom Holland leaves the door open for future Spider-Man team ups. Uh, this is what they said. Much is uncertain at the moment in regards to the future of the Spider-Man fri- franchise. Uh, we know that Sony and Marvel studios are developing further films, but Tom Holland remains non-committal in terms of whether, he, uh, whether or not he's going to return for more as Peter Parker. Even so, in a recent interview with Variety while promoting Uncharted, Holland was asked about the possibility of teaming up with the other Spider-Men again. Could we see Tom Holland on screen with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in the future? Holland certainly isn't closing the door. Quote, it was one of those things. It was an idea for a long time and an idea that always seemed impossible. Could it happen? Of course it could happen. We've done it once before. Will it happen? I don't know. One has to imagine, given what Spider-Man No Way Home has made at the box office, that Sony would love for this to happen. Whether or not they can actually orchestrate it remains to be seen. But none of the actors seem to be closing that door, which is good news for those who would like to see more of the Chio down the line. Uh, I mean, was once enough or would you guys like to – I, for one, I want to see the next – I want to see Amazing Spider-Man 3. I want to see an Andrew Garfield movie, you know, solo movie, seeing what he can do, but – I, I for one, I would love to see a full movie of all three of these Spider-Man. I don't think, I don't think that they've done everything. I loved all the interactions that they had in No Way Home, but I think there's more to be explored. I definitely think there's other ways to open up the universe to where these three could be back together on screen again, and I think audiences would eat it up again. We would love to see this.
1: No, I agree. I, I that well is far from dry. I, I, I completely agree that I would love to see the three of them back for a whole movie instead of just, you know, thirty minutes. That would be fucking great.
4: Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Joe just yes, Joe is asking for seconds and thirds.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The chemistry with all of them was so good. The audience reaction to it was over the top. It almost seems like they'd be out of their minds to to not have that be a next logical step down the line
4: mm. Joe would you watch an animated movie animated slash live action movie of Andrew Garfield it's Garfield the cat but with the head of Andrew Garfield <laughs> <laughs> and the movie the movie is called Andrew Garfield <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not you know, maybe he'll knock it out of the park.
4: Jakey, down for that movie, Andrew Garfield. I mean, I would watch it, but yeah, I'd be weary. Oh, I know, Jake's uh, Jake, uh, critical, critical of the of the dumbest idea I've ever proposed on the show. <laughs> 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 I just wanted to see the scenes where he's shoveling lasagna into his mouth. Yeah, I would just, I would give me, I would give me ten minutes of him hating Mondays and shoving lasagna down his fucking throat. <laughs> that's all. I don't, I don't need anything push, push more.
1: Cody off the table a few times. Yeah,
4: that's all I need. That's all I need. <laughs> all right, final story. This is actually the final story of the uh, of the podcast because I, I don't have any DC uh, news this week. You know, There's an article about Aquaman having using some kind of like new technology. Did you see that? the new no. yeah anyway yeah look it up uh news from msn.com Taryn egerton is it edgerton or egerton
1: i thought it was edgerton i could be wrong now
4: but there's no d in there hmm. it's it's e g e g e r t o n it must be egerton it must be egerton taron egerton gains taron egerton's gains are fueling rumors that he might be the next wolverine Taryn Egerton has been packing on muscle over the last year, providing updates in the form of gym thirst traps on Instagram. And he has just revealed the results of his training in a brief shirtless video on his story. The video captured and shared on Maine by a fan account shows the Rocketman star dancing in just a towel to the BG showing off his chest gains, jacked arms and six pack abs. The Welsh actor's newly jacked physique has once again prompted widespread speculation that he is getting ready to make his debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as the newest incarnation of the beloved X-Men character Wolverine. Egerton, who is friends with legacy Wolverine actor Hugh Jackman after starring alongside him in Eddie the Eagle, has been at the center of casting rumors for years now, although he has downplayed them in the past. Uh, "Quote: As far as I'm aware of it, it's unfounded, he said. This is in 2019. I don't know if I'm quite grisly enough. I mean, if people at Marvel think I am, then great, let's go. But I think there are probably better candidates. But I would love to be involved in with that world somewhere. Um, I agree with him. I don't think he is quite grisly enough. I, I'm sorry. I I agree with him there. I think he's a fine actor. I loved him in Rocket Man. I I enjoyed Eddie the Eagle. I am not a fan of the Kingsman movies. Um, I have a hard time passing the torch of Wolverine to another actor who is not Tom Hardy. And Tom Hardy's not going to be Wolverine. He's he's, just—he's—he's older now. He's already Venom. He's not going to be Wolverine. I just—I don't think he is grizzly enough. And I've seen a lot of people. being fans of this casting right now, I don't see it. I, I do like him a lot more than fucking Daniel Radcliffe, though. That is like, <laughs> okay, he's like, I, okay, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe makes sense, I guess. As Weird Al Yankovic, but not fucking Wolverine. I, I'll wait and see what he's like as Weird Al Yankovic in that fucking biopic, but I, there's no fucking way in hell you're ever going to convince me that Daniel Radcliffe can be Wolverine. <sighs> that, that rant aside, um, what are your thoughts, Joe, on Taron Egerton being the next Wolverine?
2: Yeah, he definitely doesn't seem like he'd be grizzled enough to do it, but you know, maybe with the right makeup, Yeah. You know, maybe he could pull it off. Um, But, yeah, I mean, when I think of him, I immediately think of Rocket Man, and that's pretty far from Wolverine.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Jake, I I think you're going to be more forgiving. I don't know.
1: No, I'm actually not the biggest fan of this. I... I Rocket Man's good, and he's great in that. But I don't know. Like his voice seems a little bit off. Like just how he sounds in The Kingsman. I mean, obviously he's an actor, and he can do an accent. But man, I don't know. A forced Wolverine accent from Taron Egerton. I'm not really feeling this either. Um, I'm willing to give anything a chance. Like if he gets the role, I'll I'll be open minded and see how it is. But on paper, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sign it off.
4: Yeah, I don't know, man. I just have like I'm just hoping somebody else <laughs> somebody else is somebody else pops up that I just don't know about, you know? Like, you know, they they pulled some nobodies, you know, for some of these roles and 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 had great luck with them. I mean, Chris Hemsworth was really an, an unknown and fucking Hugh Jackman was a an unknown when when they got him. I I've seen enough of Terran Egerton and it's it it nothing From him, just like makes me like salivating for him to play Wolverine. I don't know, man. I just, right now, I can't pick anybody because I don't, I, there's just nobody that I think is deserving of being the next Wolverine that I've seen. I just can't, I can't put, I can't put a finger on the next actor who I'd like to see play the character. I do think you got, it's hard. I think you got to get somebody a little bit more grizzled. Like, you know, I'd like to see somebody kind of like in the, Not John Bernthal, but somebody like in that John Bernthal mold, you know, like a Frank Grillo kind of guy. Not, not a Taron Egerton. He just seems too pretty (laughs) to me.
1: How about Sam Elliott as Wolverine?
4: Get the fuck out of here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to think of the most grizzled actor possible.
4: Okay. Okay, What about fucking – we can get an old man Logan and we can get Stephen Lang. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. That is good if we're going to go with old man Logan.
1: Yeah, I like Tommy Lee Jones is old man Logan. No. Get
4: out of here. <laughs> get out of here. You, you know, it, I can't see that shit at that's all. That's terrible.
1: Get fucking Vigo Mortensen as old man to, Logan.
4: When you when you say Tommy Lee Jones as Wolverine, I'm going to quote him from The Fugitive. I don't care.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is the first scene that popped into my head too. <laughs> uh, no, oh, that's so good. Viggo
4: Mortensen is. I mean, they're worried about Hugh Jackman getting old. Like Viggo Mortensen's not even in shape enough to play Wolverine. And we're talking, I thought we we're talking old man. Logan. Okay, if we're talking old man, he's still not even in good shape to play old man Logan, in my opinion. <laughs> he's just not. He's not. He's not. I mean, well, what are, Russell Crowe, get the fuck out of here, I, you know, come on, I don't know. Um, Bruce Willis. Oh god. <laughs> this is terrible, you're terrible Jake. I'm asking for real, real suggestions and you just keep getting worse and worse.
1: I would love to uh I, I i agree and i'm i'm giving bad suggestions on purpose i will not lie but I, I really would like to see an old man logan movie yeah that's one of my favorite series in the comic books i'm a i'm a yeah. huge mark miller fan and the stuff he did with hawkeye in that series i
4: man oh, i was would so love, good
1: i would love an old man logan movie
4: didn't stephen lang voice old man uh, didn't stephen lang voice uh old man logan in that oh in the cartoon in the cartoon didn't he? I think he did. I think you're right. Or it's like a audio podcast or something.
1: I'm pretty sure that did happen. Yeah. Let's Google that. <laughs> Stephen Lang. Well, I was, yeah, I was already halfway through Thank it. you. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Lang Wolverine.
4: Hmm. No, it's I don't just see like anything. Fan castings. Here. Yeah, a uh, fan casting is cable. In Wolverine, I remember. I remember the fan casting for Stephen Lang as Cable before they got Josh. Berlin. Oh yeah, yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, John Cena was rumored for Cable as well at one time.
1: Yeah, I don't blame Cable on the actor. I just think they didn't. They didn't give him any meat.
4: Yeah, you know, um, if if I was a if I was you know you ever go to like a fair or like a you know, or, or like an amusement park and you've got caricature artists there, you know, and they're drawing you know people yeah. people with big heads. I think, like, caricature artists have to have, like, a dream, like, celebrity that they would draw if they had the opportunity. And I've always thought that with his face that a caricature artist's wet dream would be to draw Tommy Lee Jones and his fucking bizarre fucking face.
1: (laughs) Yeah, them (laughs) eyeballs fucking bugging out and shit.
4: Fucking big old ears popping off that head of his. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's a wet dream for a caricature artist. If he sat down at your fucking chair and you were able, oh, my God. That's like their white whale, dude. (laughs) Like, I I could literally see, like, a caricature artist drawing Tommy Lee Jones with a tear coming out of their eye. A tear of joy, Jake. Like, oh, my God. This is why I got into this business of drawing random people at a fucking carnival. Is for this fucking moment, Tommy Lee Jones sitting in my chair, sir. It's an honor. (laughs) It is an honor to draw your wild, wrinkly fucking face, man. Thank you for this. (laughs) Man, (laughs) never
1: thought about that. But his face—it's
4: like a—it's like wrinkles and just like it's just like a roadmap of pure joy for a caricature artist. It is just a, a thing of beauty for that man.
2: Just, uh, they, 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 oh God, the white whale. It is. It's the white <laughs> whale, bro. Do you think there was anybody out there who has such a weird face that if they get a caricature drawn, it actually looks more like a normal picture? I think, I think
4: Charlie Sheen has turned into a caricature of, of car, Charlie Sheen. Yeah, I could
1: yeah. see that. I can see that. Maybe Steve Buscemi.
4: Yeah. Oh, Steve
2: Buscemi'd be a good one for
4: him. Yeah, he'd be a good one. He'd be a good one. Oh man, that's all I got. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, you know, for the if Taron Egerton gets cast as Wolverine and people are happy, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna be like, ah, fuck, no, I, I'll wait, I'll wait and see. We were wrong about Heath Ledger, right?
1: Yeah. I, it doesn't feel like a casting that's going to be universally loved, though. Like, I'm right there with you. I can't imagine the world in unison is like,
4: that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 those are, those are big shoes to fill, Jake. Uh, Hugh Jackman. I mean, those are big shoes to fill for the next, for the next Wolverine. I mean, I can, and, and I think they're in a, in a place now, uh, in Marvel where they're really trying to, and I could be wrong here, but I feel like they are trying to cast a little bit younger. But I say that, and then on the flip side, we've got Mahershala Ali, who I believe is like 50, playing Blade. Yeah, I think you're right. So, I I mean, I can't see them, you know, especially with, uh you know, Hugh Jackman talking about how, How much it takes to to play the character, especially physically, like the workouts that he's forty
1: seven
4: by the way. Forty seven. Still, still close enough. Still close enough. Um but like the 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 amount of like training and to to get the shots of him as vascular as he is I mean that's your body does not want to look like that naturally. No. It doesn't. Like when, when people compete in shows to get themselves that vascular, they're basically like, they're putting themselves in steam rooms, they're sweating off, (laughs) they're, they're, they're basically dehydrated to themselves and they've, uh, to the point, you know, to get, to, to get that way, they've trained and, and it, it, it takes a lot out of them to get into like that, uh, In the, into that condition, they, and they like, you know, even like Chris Hemsworth and, and Chris Evans pumping themselves up and getting their abs that rip. It's a lot of it's diet and training. It's hard. It's not, your body just doesn't want to maintain that. So like when you get pictures of like Jason Momoa on vacation with a shirt off and everybody's like, look at Jason Momoa's dad bod. It's like, that's what Jason Momoa's body wants to look like all the time. But you know, he has to train to get himself into Aquaman shape.
2: Yep, and then you've only got that for a brief window of time. Yes, and so they time that very well for those shirtless shots. Yeah, in these movies where these dudes are just standing there with a shirt off, and there's veins sticking out and stuff. It's like that dude is severely dehydrated, probably freezing fucking cold right now. Yeah, he's only gonna look like that maybe for a handful of hours. Right, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. They get that shot with Daniel Craig every Bond movie, where you know he like <laughs> he only looked like that for a day.
4: Well, I know, you know, like when I'm working out and stuff like that, um, I know like, like once I have like the best pump when I leave the gym, it's like after, you know what I mean? I've got like the best pump when I leave the gym. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the same for these guys. You know, it's, it's really hard. And so I can imagine them not wanting to go with somebody like too old for the role because You've got a limited time window where they can play Wolverine, and it feels like everybody thinks that like Wolverine needs to be just just jacked, you know, and vascular um, because that's what Hugh Jackman did, and that's what some of like the later comics have drawn him in. If you look at like the earlier comics, he's not that ripped. He's
2: a little skinny guy.
4: So, yeah, I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think audiences just have an expectation of Wolverine to be like this fucking muscle bound Jack dude. So maybe, maybe that's why Taron Egerton is, was working out like crazy. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Like why else he's doing is definitely doing it for a role. Right. I mean, I don't think this is just kind of like a, a JK Simmons thing (laughs) where, you know,
3: fitness freak
4: out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely doing it for a reason. Definitely doing it for a role.
2: I loved it when all those J.K. Simmons pictures came out, and people thought he was getting Jack just to play Commissioner. Gordon. I know. I that know. Was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs>
4: sexy jim gordon we find out that <laughs> G- jim gordon has like uh, on his weekends he he goes over the top and he does like arm wrestling matches yeah. it's just like this <laughs> this really weird B story in the batman movie we see, we see we see jake simmons flip his hat backwards and start pinning some arms <laughs> did you know when you're watching the credits for uh, over the top Um, and they show like the real life arm wrestlers at the end of the movie and shit. There's a scene where they show it for a split second where a guy's fucking arm snaps. Oh my God. (laughs) I've never noticed that. That's just fucking hardcore, dude. (laughs) Oh my God. Can you imagine? Can you even, they would snap my arm in half. Like, I don't have, like – I don't have, like, the strongest bones to begin with. Like, there's some people that just have, like, amazing, like, bone structure. I – my arms – my arms are just – my bones are not that strong.
1: So – Right there with you. I've been <laughs> lactose intolerant my whole life, so I guarantee my bones aren't strong.
4: I have to be really careful when I work out that I only – I don't use free weights anymore, man. I used to use free weights, and I don't use free weights anymore. I have to use the machines because with free weights, there's too much of um like uh, – like uh, if I'm putting up like a dumbbell or something like that, it could go off to one side, and I don't want it to. And it can really, I can, I can break the like the carpal bundle, the uh, bones in my in my hand really easily. I've broken them since I was a kid. So I have to be really careful. I have weak. My
2: bones are a step away from adamantium. Like I have milk with every meal. <laughs> <sighs>
4: I take I take calcium supplements and all this shit, Joe. My fucking bones are bullshit, dude. <laughs> yeah, I do calcium <laughs> supplements as well.
2: <laughs> I've broken two toes and that's all I've broken in my life.
4: Mm. Oh god. Yeah, I I've broken bones in my hands multiple times. I broke a bone in my arm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it sucks. All right. Anyway, that's all I got this week, gentlemen. Right it on. It was fun, wasn't it, Jake? You have a yeah. It was, it was a blast, wasn't it, buddy? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I got all the four one one.
4: Oh, I like how you're tying it back to the to the beginning of the podcast where you had no clue what I was talking about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I learned. It was a learning experience for me. I grew.
4: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joe. Yes, sir. If people want more Joe Stark in their life, where can they find you?
2: Uh, you can find me on Startcast, my long-form conversation podcast, new episodes every Saturday. Uh, you can find it anywhere you can find podcasts, or you can find me on Twitter at The Tubby Ninja.
4: Saw the new episode pop up today. Uh, Tristan Brown, and I actually, I listened to, I listened to the Stephanie Chapman episode recently. Uh, I listened to the Steve Miller episode recently. And, uh, let's see here. I probably, I probably listened to another one, just can't remember. So whoever else I listen to, Uh, maybe leave a bigger impact next time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Try and be more memorable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Step up your game. (laughs) I had the best time talking to Tristan too. Uh, I feel like that could have easily been a four hour episode and we get a little bit into his ayahuasca trip also at the end of the episode. So it was really, really good time. Oh that's great yeah
4: Tristan's fantastic man uh, we did the we did the patreon episode actually had a couple new uh patrons sign up i I believe because of that episode they wanted to listen to it so yeah, we talked about Tristan and his trip to Peru and uh, his experience on ayahuasca and it was uh fucking pretty amazing an amazing conversation Tristan really um, really outdid himself and and uh and uh let us in on that experience, which was, was pretty awesome being able to just like ask him any question about it right then and there. It was so cool.
2: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Then I got to sleep on it for a week and then ask him more questions. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really cool. Yeah. All
4: right. What are we doing? Yeah, what are we doing next week, Cenk? I don't know. Let me see here. What he- is next week? Uh, all I, the, the only thing I could guarantee you next week, uh, uh listeners, is that uh, Jake will be asking for multiple breaks.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't if have... If not, know that he he uh, he found that 32-ounce bottle.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like how I gave the amount
1: of ounces I needed. <laughs> the wide mouth, wide mouth is a must. <laughs> yeah, wide mouth. I don't think they make the 32-ounce any other way.
4: Uh, let see. Here. I think there's He's a new...
1: Peeing into no 20-ounce.
4: I think... So. It, is Jesus it? Christ! Maybe, Maybe if you're Hawkeye, guys. I'll look death it.
1: on the Nile's next week. Happy
4: Valentine's. I'm. I'm not. See. I'm not going. in. I'm not watching it. Oh, I need. I need to see it. I don't give a fuck. Go ahead. I'm not. I refuse. And <laughs> it has nothing to do with the army hammer thing. I the the first one. The 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 first one. I didn't really. It was okay. I I just I I don't care. You can review it. I ain't fucking talking about that shit. I don't give a fuck. There we go. I refuse. Uh, what is it? Uh, inventing Anna on Netflix. Single drunk female. It's a new series on Hulu. I'll be talking about that. Suspicion on Apple TV Plus. I think this is an Uma Thurman thing.
1: Oh, I need more Uma Thurman. Haven't seen her for a while. Yeah, it's
4: been a while. Been a while since we got, what is it? Something. Suspicion. I have a, Suspicion that it's Uma Thurman I think it's her. Yeah, Uma Thurman. When the son of a prominent American businesswoman is kidnapped from a New York hotel, the eye of suspicion quickly falls on four seemingly ordinary British citizens who are at the hotel on the night in question. I actually just dropped yesterday, but we'll talk about it next week. Suspicion, Jake.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Very suspicious.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's why we have you here jake thank you God. <laughs> all right and just like all good leftovers and the doggy bags thanks for li- i'm sick of saying this i'm done saying that i'm never saying that shit again i am done saying that jake new outro uh yeah no i just I, yeah i gotta we gotta look for a new one i'm fucking done saying that it's, it's the most asinine statement ever
2: <laughs> that it was is, held on for a long time too. as a contest winner, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah that is yeah. that is right.
4: Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> I, I I think it's run its course. They, yeah, they, I agree. They won a long time ago. I gotta look. <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta look. Yeah, they got four hundred plus episodes. They're done. <laughs> no shit. I am done with that. We got to we gotta find a new outro, Jake. Maybe we'll do a new yeah. contest for a new outro.
1: Ah oh, no no no! Maybe, we'll maybe I, come up with one ourselves. <laughs> I'll
4: just I'll just look. Maybe I'll look for the emails, and I'll find the the runner. Oh, I like that idea. I'll look through the emails and see if I can find the old runner up, and we'll go with that one. I like it. I like it. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> New album. <laughs> My suspicion is we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: like it. I think we found it
4: all right see ya see ya for episode four twelve later later thanks for listening to pop culture leftovers congratulations I don't know how you
2: did it I couldn't do it. you people need a t-shirt saying I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap anyway if you'd like to reach the pop culture leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers dot com you can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that.
0: There's already like 7 million podcasts. Talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a brad. But it's done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. By the cool kids. It, it,
1: it's a trap.
0: It it, it, do we love it? Hey, let's make it embrace it, it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carry over. Culture push over. Pop culture leftovers. With the uncool kids. What's this has already been said? Leftovers. Sure the only talent is the band that's singing. this pop culture leftovers. Trap. It toss it, good and taste it? do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can you race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over Pop culture left over. And with the uncool kids, what's to say? It's already been said. Left over. Are sure? Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture left over. Security. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture leftovers. I the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Sure the only talent. is the band that's singing this. Pop culture
3: leftovers.